0: Hello and welcome back to Bantha Fodder. After a long gap between film discussions, we're finally talking about episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. This is a very formal intro you're giving. I've only been doing Breaking Ground podcasts for the last
1: several months. Hello and welcome back to our podcast called Bantha Fodder. We have returned. This feed just went from inactive to active. Rise. Oh, man. Okay, so we only post episodes when we have something we want to talk about. We don't want to post weekly episodes like a lot of other podcasts do because they just need to talk about Star Wars. I mean, something probably happens in the Star Wars world every week. Like, There's definitely enough to talk about, but we just decided we don't want to report on the rumor mills, and I don't watch trailers after the first teaser. So there's really nothing that we want to talk about. And also Jake and I don't have the energy to put into something like we put into last episode with yeah that I loved it, but that uh, took over a long time. I mean, we we worked on that for like six months.
0: Yeah, on the on that note, you mentioned that you don't watch past the teaser of any given Star Wars movie, and this year I actually followed suit. And man, that is hard to do.
1: But how much? How well did it pay off? Why? First of all, why did it pay off? Because a, a movie came out last week, and that movie was. The rise of skywalker star wars episode 9
0: the rise of skywalker or uh rise of the skywalker as a lot of people in my local bar refer to it when talking misogynistically about various characters
1: oh i'd like to hear more about that later on oh we um, tweeted,
0: i tweeted about it on the Banth Fighter account a couple weeks. okay ago. good i'm so, glad
1: you're putting that out there for both of us <laughs> Um, Okay, so in our last, not in our last episode, in the two episodes ago, when we dissected the first teaser for Rise of Skywalker, we said, is it going to be TROS, the Rise of Skywalker, or ROS, Rise of Skywalker? And you pointed out because Empire Strikes Back is the Empire Strikes Back, not Empire Strikes Back, but everybody calls it ESB. So... I feel like there's no uniformity to this, and I wish there was. But The Phantom Menace, I think I pointed out, usually does start with the T. TPM. So I think it should be TSB. TESB is what I'm going to use from now on. I'm fine with that. I prefer Tross for the most recent movie. I like that more than Ross. It's funny that Return, there's, it's not The Return of the Jedi, but it is The Rise of Skywalker. Right. Is it The Attack of the Clones, or is it Attack of the Clones? A- AOC, that's used for something else now. Uh, Alexandro ocasio Cortez. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it? The A New Hope or is it A New Hope? <laughs> I'm done with this. Tross, tross is it?
0: So we re-listened to both of us re-listened to that uh, that teaser episode that we recorded right after Celebration today, and um, listening back to it, it was interesting because I remember like I, I don't really remember our feelings at that time, but listening back, you were really excited watching that teaser. I was, which I didn't expect. I was really excited, but I always get really excited and I don't have to justify it. I just like, that's just the way I feel. But like you were stoked. I remember you being really, really stoked for this movie.
1: I know. And that's because it was a really good teaser. And I, I, listening back to that episode we did, I actually really appreciate how little speculation we did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, we can Look at it and say that but you're right. I mean we when we watched that teaser, we just kind of I mean we spent a lot of time on color. We talked about color for a good portion of that um that breakdown, but right. we also talked about the ships and just the shot composition, more generally just the the teaser itself with a couple ideas thrown here and there, but I think there are even a couple spots where we just shut down speculation because we there's just no way you can know. Yeah. Right, so I I followed your lead. I didn't watch any trailers after that, which is hard when you're binge watching Bob's Burgers on Hulu is literally every commercial like during a single episode you could possibly see that trailer three times which is insane
1: watching youtube videos i was just like something would come on like aaron and i just watch youtube videos sometimes from my queue or something on the big screen and like it'll always be an ad beforehand and because my search history is probably star wars or like something i'm subscribed to in apple news it's just like oh like cool oh he wants to see star wars thing so it pops up and it's just like Ah, I start screaming and waving my hands in front of my eyes. <laughs> 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 yeah. You, have you can't to, skip you should... it for more. You have to wait three
0: seconds until you can skip it. <laughs> well, if you're just like watching through, you just have to wait and you have to count. You're like, okay, which version of this trailer is it? Is it just a 30 second ad or is it like a 15 second spot? Like, but I, I think it was rewarding. Um, you know, going into it fresh is like,
1: how good was the payoff? I watched the teaser. I watched the trailers after seeing the movie mm-hmm. and I am so glad I didn't know any of those shots were coming. Yeah, they put a lot in there, didn't they? There was so many highlights. Like, I think they showed, I mean, we're going to be spoiling this episode really hard in a few minutes. So just anybody who hasn't watched Rise of Skywalker, the Rise of Skywalker, um, definitely turn this off immediately. Just what are you doing? Um, but yeah, so I think they showed like all the ships coming at the end. Didn't they show like a shot of that, which is crazy. I actually did get spoiled on
0: that. Someone put a screenshot on Twitter or some, somewhere. Like, I, I stayed off of our Banff account for the majority of the, the wait, um, but it came across my
1: personal timeline, so that kind of stunk. But That does stink. Um, the only spoiler I had was moments before leaving for the theater or leaving for my day to the theater because we'll go into our viewing experiences in a second like we always do. Um, but, like, right before I closed my computer to leave i was like looking for something on youtube like a half-life video or something like that because there's a new half-life game coming out and obviously youtube algorithm knows i watch star wars like red letter media stuff and so it recommends this thing and the movie had been out for four days this is also why it recommends a two-year-old video that says ray palpatine theory oh this was before you saw it this is right before i saw it but it was a two-year-old video and it just said theory and i was like Okay, so, like, maybe the, the movie is on, un- like, the only thing that I had spoiled going into it was that, that there was some connection between Ray and Palpatine. That stinks. But because I didn't see the date of that video, I was like, Ray Palpatine theory, so that means that maybe the movie doesn't make it clear what the connection is, and maybe it leaves it open to oh. interpretation, which I would actually, so that gave me, that made, that did not upset me.
0: It was weird. I got recommended the same video, and I said as much, because you sent it to me, and I'm like, that's really weird, because I... I literally just added that to my watch list
1: an hour prior. And I if you look at the comments,
0: the top comments are like, like this, if you if this just popped up in your feed.
1: <laughs> right. And that's because, you know, so many people were searching for it after. And that was a, a two year old video that had it, it basically if you watch it, there's really nothing of substance in it. Um, you, you, except for like the hypothetical, like not the hypotheticals, but like the, what do you call those things when you're like the conjectures where where you take something and you run with it? That doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Like, like the look that Han Solo gives Rey in The Force Awakens, like, people were being like, oh, the way he looks at her there is definitely a signifier that he knows something about her past. We've talked a like, lot well, about
0: looks on this show.
1: Right, and it's, no, that's not that's not a thing that can happen in a movie. Like, I mean... Like, directors don't give direction
0: saying, okay, Harrison, I need you to look at her like she's your daughter.
1: Or, I mean, that could be a direction, like, you know, like, oh, like, pretend she's your teenage daughter, and she's pissing you off, or something like that. Like, that's, I think that's a direction, but, like, okay, in this scene, you're secretly her father, but she right. doesn't know that, and I need you to look at her, like, you know that you're secretly her father, but she, like, that was this kind of <laughs> speculation that was being thrown around, and in that video, there's stuff, too, like, the, the like, oh, look at the way that Rey is lunging uh, yeah, in her, fighting, in the, her style. fighting style, and I'm like, there's no way that somebody on The Force Awakens choreographed... To be like Palpatine, you know, like knowing that yeah. she was going to be a Palpatine later on it doesn't mean and they're wrong. I mean, like yeah, there
0: there are similarities, but that isn't necessarily something that, that I think would be have you know planned out the game yeah, during the family thing.
1: We don't really see many family members fighting over the course of the entire saga. You know, like you you have like Luke and Darth Vader fighting, but the lightsaber combat was so unevolved that like, and Luke was so reactive to Vader's like super heavy you know handed swings that like i don't think you could say luke had a fighting style to examine and ray doesn't either that's the thing she's like also i mean we can get into this later we're we're like jumping all around here but but like i mean ray's fighting style in this movie was pretty much the same as it was in force awakens just he's super heavy like uh, like just swinging that lightsaber like it weighs 100 pounds but with more flips more flips this time and a lot of jumping up in the air really high which i really enjoyed um Okay, so uh, initial thoughts, walking out of the theater, theater theater-going experience. Ready, Jake, go. Okay, so the past couple of years,
0: seeing any of the the Star Wars movies, Episodic or uh, Star Wars Story, um, I've seen them with the same two guys. I usually go with my buddy Brandon and my friend Drew. This year was going to be no different, but the day of the movie... Drew texted us and said that he got really sick like out of nowhere he just got a stomach bug and there was just no way he was going to be able to go and so we felt really bad and we ended up giving the ticket to somebody else who went with us and um it wasn't quite the same so in that respect our experience was dampened a little bit cuz Drew couldn't finish out the the saga with us like we wanted but um we went to you know a, a nice theater uh it's an XD screen which I've mentioned in the past is just a it's the biggest screen you can get in my area that is an IMAX and uh they had nice recliner seats so I was comfortable <laughs> and saw the movie what time did you see it that you saw it midnight no we saw like a it was this probably the second showing of the evening so it was like 10 something
1: that's that's the time of night that I saw it too yeah but not on the same night
0: no you're, you were like a full week later not a <laughs> full week later just i saw about. it on
1: monday after thursday so it's like four days <laughs> pretty far I, I mean that's a long time to uh, go opening weekend or not getting spoiled i really that was an, a serious accomplishment we'll go into how we do that later but um yeah. and anyway you're saying walking into the theater yeah
0: so you know i walked in the theater um i was just excited i wasn't like really thinking about it much i wasn't thinking about how like strangely disappointed I was when I walked out of the last one. I wasn't thinking about any theories. Like it actually didn't really dawn on me that I was about to watch a Star Wars movie until, you know, like the score came up and, you know, so you see Star Wars. It it just hit me at that moment. And I was like, oh yeah, wait, I'm, oh my gosh, I'm in a seat and I'm about to watch a, a Star Wars movie I've
1: never seen before.
0: It's the same kind of feeling I had with The Force Awakens.
1: That's crazy. Like you didn't have that feeling going in. Like I, the night before I was like, days before like when i got to boston like saturday night and seeing the movie on monday night i got to boston like i think getting on the bus to boston i was like i was like oh my god in like three days i'm going to know how star wars ends and like
0: well i've been staying so far away from it like i've been trying to not get spoiled i've been trying to you know stay away from all teasers any discussion about it i've been trying to stay away and as a result of that like my the excitement that i would normally build up through conversations with friends about you know different things that we've read online or ideas that we had um i had none of that so i just i just went in completely fresh like 100 fresh and it was great like i was really excited from the jump like as soon as the movie started i was just i was like really excited and i don't know i don't think i blinked during the entire movie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when I left that theater, like, my eyes were, like, burning because I was just, like, staring at the screen so hard. But, yeah, when I when I left the theater, I felt really good. And it was, like, a weird mixture of things. It wasn't just because I liked the movie. It was because when I left the theater for The Rise of Skywalker, I felt better than I did when I left the theater for The Last Jedi. And this is in no way going to be a Last Jedi trash cast. Like, it's not going to happen here. I'm not diving into any of that. But, you know, that feeling when I left that movie like feeling like I don't know if that was like a Star Wars movie that I liked when I left this one I felt really good again
1: that's nice I'm glad to hear that
0: yeah like I I was surprised at that and I kind of had to like I I don't think I said a word until I got to the car like I was just I was lagging behind my two friends who were walking to the car and I was just like six or seven feet behind just like thinking also trying to remember everything that I needed to write down when I got into the car (laughs) so so I could have notes for later Um, but I felt really good. And that was the first night. And then Brandon and I took our, uh, we took our significant others the next day to see it again, uh, at a different theater with less nice seats. And there was a, there was a bright little kid there, but I didn't let him ruin my time. Um, the second time I enjoyed it even more. Like I had some problems the first time that we saw it that we'll dive into just little things that kind of bothered me. Uh, in the second one, they didn't bother me at all. There were new things that bothered me, but the primary concerns that i had the first time i saw it didn't bother me the second time i saw the movie so i enjoyed it even more the second time um so much that i kind of even want to go see it again before at least theaters
1: wow i'm like aaron's trying to convince me to see it a second time together with her and i as usual i'm having i'm very reluctant to do it it's just such a slog (laughs) to go into a movie theater a second time like i saw i saw end game twice and that's insane. I left halfway through the second viewing of it.
0: <laughs> oh man! So tell me, tell me about your experience. I I'd imagine it's um not dissimilar from the last couple.
1: Oh my god, dude! I hit Jordan's wicked high, buddy. <laughs> no, I I did. I like I knew it was happening in October when tickets went on sale. I had like a heads up on it, so I was like, "All right, guys, tickets are going on sale like this Monday or whatever, the twenty first of October," and like. I just want to know who's with me so I hit my group chat and because I was still working a different job at that point and that job that I used to have ended uh, recently but I I had to work weekends and so I was like oh I have to you know go up to Boston and I can't get the weekend off so I'll come up on Monday so we're gonna see it late guys but don't worry I'm coming up. And so I booked tickets knowing that. And then I stopped working at that job and now i have weekends off <laughs> and like holidays off too, which is ah, the best. Um, but that made it so that I could go up early to Boston instead of like getting up the day of the movie. And so I, you know, went up to Boston on a Saturday morning and knowing that we were going to see it at 10, 15 PM on Monday. Wow. I know, but uh, it was because we didn't want to see a 3D showing because all of us hate 3D, mm-hmm. and we also wanted to have a day. You know, it was like tw- the 23rd of December that we saw it, so we all wanted to just be, um, be able to go to work if we needed to go to work. I didn't, but my friends did, Um, or just like have dinner with our families. Like you know, so we didn't like see an afternoon movie, and then the 7 p.m. showing was a 3D showing, and so 10:15 was the obvious choice, and it was like just okay, better traffic, you know, just able to get out and do whatever mm-hmm. so we did that um we got to the movie super early we got to the movie 45 minutes early as we, we i think the force awakens we got there like two hours early i want to say because we were seeing it opening weekend weekend but this one we it was 10 15 showing on a monday we did not need to get there 45 minutes early but we did and we got prime seats as a result oh it's it's not reserved seating at Jordan's? No, it's oh. not. And that's the thing about Jordan's is the word. That's the only reason why we showed up so early. Like I would never show up early to a m- normal movie, but like this place doesn't have reserved seating cuz they know there are really bad seats in the house. I would say like maybe 30% of the seats in the house are trash. <laughs> when I say trash, it's just like it, like the screen is three stories tall at least. You know, like mm-hmm. we're talking like four, 40 feet. And if you're up if you're in the front to ter- front ter- rows ter- you're like basically not going to be able to see the left and right sides. Um, if you're sitting in the very back, you're not going to get the right surround experience. Um, so basically, if you're not in the middle, then it kind of just sucks. Um, but we guess so we got there early. We got good seats. And like I said, like I was just super jazzed about it, like actually seeing it. And like this movie, like as excited as I was about it back when we saw the teaser in April and as excited as I was like, you know, leading up in the days up to it, like this thing really snuck up on me. I feel like, I and you and I were both so busy over the course of the entire summer that, like, and most of the fall that, there really wasn't a lot of time to get excited about Star Wars. Yeah, totally agree. Like, we had way more important things to worry about, and I'm glad we keep that perspective. Like, that's that's the benefit of doing a show when you feel like it, rather than feeling like you need to do Star Wars content every week.
0: Yeah, we have the benefit of like waiting until the the early rush of um of cynics have their their bout, and then we can come in and clean up
1: yeah cool takes lukewarm takes um and so yeah like it it just really snuck up on me and then just sitting in that giant seat watching the stupid furniture commercials year after year i love it
0: well at jordan's we have our own store brand of mattresses and they're made right here in new england To help create jobs and support the local economy.
1: And And then the guy comes on and talks about how awesome the theater is for a few minutes. Like, I swear, you need to get up there. Like, if we, I mean, there's not going to be a Star Wars movie out if we ever, if you ever vacation to the New England area. But, like, if you do come to, to New England, we should just go see a movie there. Like, whatever big action movie is out at the time. Just so you can see how absurd it is, these giant furniture commercials and this guy being like, it's the best theater in Boston. Like, there's not a single R in any of his sentences. Like, it's just the most amazing thing. And I would, I just can't see it anywhere else. Um, all right. So all that being said, very excited, sitting down there watching the movie. I'm sitting, um, to my right is Ben, my best friend who, you know, we've been watching star Wars since we were babies. Um, and by babies, I mean like six years old together and like his, uh, his younger brother, also my friend, Nick, uh, is on my left. Um, and Nick is a candy addict and like, I, I know that like that, that term is thrown around a lot, you know, like, Oh is, oh yeah, I'm addicted to like this coffee or whatever. Like Nick is, ha, Nick had like, I, I don't want to get the number wrong. So I'll just say a lot, like upwards of 10 cavities filled at one point. Like he went to the dentist and the dentist was like, you have 10 plus cavities right now and you need to fill Jeez. them all. You, you like, he tucks like, jolly ranchers into his gums as he falls asleep he always has like a bag of sour bright crawlers in his pocket right so he is like i like when i say he's addicted to candy i am not joking like he is fully addicted and so he came into the theater with like a pack of king size twizzlers not like the like the box or the small package you get at the concession he like got like the cvs brand like well not cvs brand but like the cvs package that's like you know a foot long twizzler oh i'm familiar Oh, they're my favorite. But he had a whole pack of them. And the way he ate candy was so violent. Like he would, (laughs) like so, I don't know. Like he had a, holding the Twizzler with your arm at a right angle, resting on the armrest next to him. He would just like bite the Twizzler and then like pull the Twizzler, yank. So every five seconds during this movie, (laughs) his hand just jerks out and towards the screen and it's like right in my peripheral vision and I'm wearing glasses too. so I can see the movie and like, it's just, you know, it was just a distracting thing. But so all of that, even before the movie started, like it, it like, uh, we see the Lucasfilm logo and then Nick leans over to me and he whispers, I'm going to ASMR this right now. So anybody who has that reaction is going to get, but he just leans into my ear and goes, Take one and pass it down, <laughs> and I and I'm like, what the? What are you doing? And he opens his hand and like it's it's the darkest point in theater because the Lucasfilm logo just disappeared, mm. and he holds out these half melted Hershey's kisses, they're still wrapped. <laughs> like they're just melty Hershey kisses that had probably been in his pocket for like the entire day and he's interrupting the beginning of the movie and I take them in my hand and I grab one and I just lean over to Ben and I'm like I tap him on the shoulder and I go take one and pass it (laughs) and in the middle of me saying pass it, it goes and like the Star Wars and I missed the long time ago in a galaxy far far away and I missed when the logo hits and I was like Damn it! This candy distracted me. I Look, mean, he's he seen a Star Wars movie before. He knows. He just—he terrible care. timing. Like, this is not nothing. Was nothing was sacred in this theater for anybody. Oh, but like, but it was really, really funny that I missed the opening be- and I distracted Ben as a result. And the candy wasn't even good. It was just really melty Hershey's kisses. <laughs> Christ. just so not worth it and like the crawl is rolling and i'm like trying to get back into it while unwrapping this melty candy and it was like f- oh god just come on like just oh, it's like getting all over my fingers and i'm like trying to be like all right emperor palpatine what the fuck okay like what the ah uh! <laughs> and i'm counting on the fact that the scroll is able to be read for long after it's past like your focal point like it's just it's disappearing and i'm still trying to read it while opening it was just a nightmare experience and it was really funny and i was just laughing to myself the whole time because it you know, I've been waiting, you know, mm-hmm. long term, you know, I've been waiting like six years for this moment, but like short term, you know, all weekend. <laughs> Distracted by Hershey's Kisses. Oh, boy. Okay. And then reactions leaving the theater. Um, I'll start. Uh, I was glad it was over. <laughs> <laughs> that was how I felt. I had a little bit of that as well. I think there were so many times when during the movie when I shook my head, kind of like, ugh, I, that I was like... And not like in a horrible way, not in like a prequel way, but like, I just in a way where I was like, okay, that's a wrap on that person. Okay, that's a wrap on that plot line. <laughs> cool, that's cool, awesome. And then when it was done, I was like, wow, I'm so glad I don't have to do this again.
0: <laughs> no, I, I had a little bit of that too. Like, it, we've talked about this before. Like, it's been a, a little exhausting with this new trilogy, just because there's so much anticipation and there's so much expectation. And then everybody inevitably has some sort of disappointment with something. It's just really hard to prolong a story like this for so long. Like it's just, it's impossible to do um, without having some sort of fatigue and we got the fatigue and now it's over. And now we can look back and appreciate what's there and we can, you know, we can exist with that in our fandom because growing up you and i like we at least for a decent part of our childhood lived without the newer star wars films like the the prequels so we we get to go back to that which is cool um and this time we have even more that we can enjoy even if we didn't enjoy all of it so i i did feel some of that when i left but i was trying to focus on the things that i i really liked because oftentimes I can get caught up in the things that I'm more cynical about. It was a
1: good movie. Like I I think the the rating I gave it for a Star Wars film, I gave it like a six out of ten. You know, like I just I gave it like a six or seven, maybe a six and a half. I could probably get up to a seven if I saw it again.
0: I haven't rated it yet. I logged it both times I saw it on Letterboxd, but I didn't give it a rating either time. I've just been what are you leaning towards? to with it. I I'm leaning towards <sighs> I don't know. I'm leaning towards pretty high. Like I, I don't. I don't really like ranking these things. I don't think there's a lot of worth to it because everybody's is different, and that's fine. If you but,
1: rank it high, though, like what? What are we talking here?
0: I, I mean, I'm thinking like I, I usually go out of five because that's how Letterboxed. Sure. Um, and I'm I'm leaning towards like three and a half four at minimum okay
1: i could i can get a board i can't get on board with four i can get on board with three and a half maybe like
0: but three and a half in my scale is very good and four is excellent i don't i don't know if it's quite excellent yet but uh it is at the very least very good yeah
1: i i just think i don't know like if empire strikes back is the like the gold pinnacle of of Star Wars films, that that's five out of five. This came, this fell so far short. This this fell short of Return of the Jedi for me, you know, like in terms of like enjoyment and I don't know. I think it's so hard to talk about this without like contradicting yourself or being hypocritical because, you know, the major complaint that I have about this trilogy is that they're really flying by the seat of their pants and with no unified vision. I think that, But then you could say that same thing about the original trilogy. Like Lucas did not know what was going to happen after Star Wars was made. Like Force Awakens people had the benefit of knowing that they had more stuff coming. They had two more films at least to do after this with these stories and this character. Like George is just making this story and like he's like, I don't know, like maybe, maybe we'll make a sequel if it's successful or something like that. And he got to. But I do think by the time he got to Empire Strikes Back, you know, like, they're trying to line up chess pieces and I don't know. Cause like, you know, the whole thing with return of the Jedi and Leia, you know, mm-hmm. like how there was supposed to be another Jedi that wasn't Leia. Mm-hmm. Like anybody who says like, Oh, this, this thing wasn't planned. Like, well, clearly during return of the Jedi, when they were getting ready for that, they decided not to, they decided that Leia would be the other Jedi. Not, not the, well, I forget what the person's name was. Um, some other female Jedi though, um, that they were just going to introduce in return of the Jedi. like, so clearly they were calling audibles very late into production not late into production but like um in pre-production they were they're making changes much like they were probably doing for this trilogy but it just there's so many missed opportunities i felt like and i know that i can say that with hindsight but i do think there's some stuff to go over you know like as far as what should have happened i mean
0: surely you know with with disney buying star wars there was enough lead time um to come up with a more unified plan for a series. And I'm sure at some point in the future, we're going to hear plenty about exactly what that whole process was like in, um, the conception of bringing back star Wars and in the making of each of the three movies in this new trilogy. But, um, yeah, you're right. I don't think anybody can deny that there is a, there's a thematic disconnect between these films. And personally, I felt that, the bookends of the trilogy felt more thematically in tune than the middle one. But you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. Mostly that, you know, it had a different writer, primary writer and director. So it doesn't make the last Jedi like a terrible movie or, um, completely out of step with the trilogy. But there are, there were moments, there are plenty of moments throughout this trilogy that could have been, um, shored up and paced out better and, and, connected in a more cohesive way that maybe would have created a better payoff in the end. That said, um, considering the departure that the last Jedi was, and then bringing uh, the first director back to kind of square those, the two, the two previous movies together and tie it all up, not just this series, but the saga uh, that in mind, I think they did an incredible job at piecing all of those things together in a way that for me at least felt satisfying because there's a lot of things that you have to reconcile there between the stuff with all these new characters that you know you gotta you have to wrap up all their stories all at one time, and then also you know these legacy stories of multiple generations of Star Wars characters and fans. So it it was a big undertaking. I couldn't imagine like the pressure that JJ and Trevorrow and you know the rest of the the writers and, and people working in this film had to deal with. But at the end of it, like. You know, one of my primary thoughts after seeing it for the second time was like, I think they did it, you know, like it, I couldn't imagine how they were going to do it, but at the end of it, they did it. And what is it? it? They finished it.
1: Well, I mean, they finished it, but like the the matrix also got finished. Sure. But uh, what I'm saying,
0: sure. And this obviously isn't satisfying a lot of people either. But for me, I thought they, they crushed it. I thought they like pulled together a lot of different things and Without making a five-hour movie to tie up every little plot point that got kind of put
1: out into the world in the last two movies, I thought that they did a pretty good job. I, I think pretty good job is fair, but I don't think they crushed it. I definitely don't think they crushed it. Or maybe they—maybe cru- you could say that they crushed it in a figurative sense, like they weren't using like a fine instruments for this. They—they they crushed it in that sense, you know. Like it was—it just seemed like it was very heavy-handed. In terms of like plot delivery, like I think the the unanimous conclusion is that the first act is just chock full of exposition. <laughs> it was I could yeah. not believe the exposition dump. Like we like we got to speak about the movie in terms of the movie, like what actually we saw. But like, yeah, like I mean, you have a scroll, the crawl. I what do I call it? The scroll? I guess it's scrolling. But you have the crawl at the beginning that tells you exactly what you need to know. And then you cut to Kylo Ren in the forest, just mowing down dudes. And that's Mustafar. Did, do you pick up on that? Uh, no, I learned that later. Yeah. I, I did not pick up on it at the time. Cause, Cause I wasn't, there's trees. Yeah. Like the burning <laughs> forest of Mustafar, which makes sense. Cause like Vader had one and Palpatine, had one of those wayfinders. Um, but yeah, so just cut to him on Mustafar mowing down people. And then, montage in him. I'm like, "Wait, we're doing a montage at the beginning of this movie?" Like, I guess that's fine. Like, and then he gets to uh, Xegal, the emperor's planet, goes down and then gets a huge plot dump uh which I I was calling it a retcon cuz I didn't know how like what a nicer word for it is cuz like retcon you think of more being like clumsy on a sitcom or something like that. Like being like, oh, yeah, well, like, oh, oh, well, it turns out he actually has a cousin or a twin, like, soap opera style. Like, oh, he actually has a twin brother. Like, that that's a really heavy-handed retcon. And I think this is, like, pretty, like, light in terms of that. But, like, the whole, like, pile of Snoke's awesome. Jar of Snoke's, jar of pickled Snoke's. Yeah, pickled Snoke's. I, I <laughs> that, was, that was, what's Palpatine's line? He's like, I killed Snoke. He's like, bitch, I made Snoke. <laughs> every voice you've up. heard
0: in your head and that i like that bit because every voice that he heard in his head, and then they like they switched the voices to you know vader and, and snoke it
1: was, was palpatine cool. snoke and vader did vader talk to him it's,
0: that was implied definitely in the force awakens if that a- didn't actually happen i'm i could be forgetting if it did but
1: well he was talking to the helmet a lot so maybe right. that was it yeah just just very heavy plot dump and like kind of explaining like every, like just explaining everything about like oh I, the force is unnatural and like or the dark side of the force leads to unnatural things and it was so much in the first 2 minutes of the movie that you're just like they're world building but they're world building in the weirdest way where you like they're cramming it all into 2 minutes and like leaving no mystery like yeah but i mean show what, what do you got to do Ray. like
0: this is the, i've had the, i had did have this conversation after i saw it for the first time it's like Someone made the argument that this should have been like a, a quadrilogy rather than a trilogy, and I said, "Well, first of all, the fandom would never allow yeah. that. <laughs> like, yeah. it, no, you can't. It's a it's a trilogy of trilogies. That's it. But that in mind, you have that time constraint, and so if you have these uh, if you have these planned payoffs at the end, you have to at least give um, some context to that, and mm-hmm. on like with as much is going on in this movie with as many characters as there are to follow. Like, that's just how they had to do it. And I don't, I don't know of a way that you could have set any of that up in a, in a way that would make, you know, clear sense to everybody watching that movie. Um, Like, this is something that I want to talk about in uh, a future podcast, but like, you can't, you can't put everything in there, but you can't put nothing in there. So you've got to toe that line. And sometimes it's just expositional script and, I don't know. For me, the pacing of the first, the entire first third, was the problem. When I saw it the first time, like it was, it was breakneck. It was fast. It just, it wouldn't relent. It was just like scene to scene to scene. There were so many wipes in that first, th- like first third of the movie. I was exhausted.
1: How long was the movie? Was it two and a half? I don't think it was even that. It felt like like two, two and a quarter maybe. Two hours and twenty two minutes. I would have gone for three on this one. Like I don't, I don't know. Like I maybe it's the end game in me. Like maybe the highest grossing movies of all time being three hour films is what's making me say this, but like I would be okay with a three hour star Wars movie. It's fine. Um, like you really, if you really feel like you're cramming stuff in at the beginning and like you don't have time to take it slow and reveal things about this. That's what I mean is like the, the other idea that I I was like, I don't think it needs to be a quadrilogy. I just think the second act needed to be different and i I'd, I'd love to talk to you about how different it can be but i think we should stick to this movie right now for the second yeah but yeah i mean it just it was exposition dumps and and other uh, other ones of those like light-handed retcons like rose just whisked away and there's yeah. an, i read an article today that it was more of a technical issue cuz they tied rose to leia and then leia couldn't be in the movie so you know therefore kelly marie tran's scenes all got cut which yeah. you know in our teaser analysis i was like that's kind of, that kind of sucks that like you could, you already picked up on the fact that they were getting rid of Rose. Um, and JJ was just speaking great things about Rose, probably not knowing that he was, she was going to be cut out of the movie mostly, but like, yeah, she got two minutes of screen time. I think was the,
0: yeah, was the actual
1: number. It's rough. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's probably something to
0: the fact that Carrie Fisher passed away and, you know, maybe her, her character was initially supposed to be tied more to Leia. but, um, I think it goes like back further than that. Like we talked about this in the last chat. I, I don't think that, The writers of that film did any justice to that character in that movie either i don't think they set her up for a great next film and i still feel the same way about finn i think finn got the the worst of this entire series i thought
1: they totally did injustice to that character i know they just wanted to keep it like core members like chewbacca poe ray finn all together c3po like there's like the five that we've really been entrenched with And, and like i guess that's probably the reason why they didn't put Rose in there. And they like, Oh, well we can put her with Leia. Leia's not around anymore. So we can't do that anymore. But like there had to be something else she could have been doing for the majority of that film. Give her, uh,
0: all of Dominic Monaghan's lines. Why did he have to be in that movie?
1: That took me that straight out of it. Very true. He wanted, he said he got winning a bet with JJ. That's stupid. That's, put him in the background, put him
0: in a mask. Like, right. He doesn't, he's, he's a very well-known actor at this point.
1: He does not have to have like, you know, that could have been that could have been rose that's what i mean about like light-handed retcons like it's just like we spent this entire movie with this person not just being a supporting character like rose was like close to a main character like her conflict was like her sister dying in the opening scenes of last jedi and you know like her her reckoning with that and like with what it meant to be in the resistance and like you know f- what learning what to fight for and like it was she was a major she was like not the backbone of the movie but like a, a huge focus point And you don't normally see characters like that in the second act just drift away for the third.
0: But again, like I I still feel disappointed about Finn. Um, Like there's, we could go into that like super far, but I just don't think, I don't know. Like I I don't, I don't understand why they didn't give him, give him more. Like they kept, like in this last one, they kind of alluded to the fact that he's force sensitive, but I don't know, give him something with that. He was just like the guy there to hold the lightsaber when Ray wasn't around. And also like anytime they give him some sort of, uh, give us some kind of inclination of him building a, a bond with somebody, they go and they make him build a, a very similar bond of just as deep bond with somebody else. Like Ray Rose, uh, Jana, is that the, the, the new character's name? Like how many of those relationships do you want where it's like, does he or does he not have feelings for this person or like, does he feel really tied to this person in, in some sort of deeper way? It, there doesn't even have to be a payoff. I'm not looking for like a ship here. I'm just, I, I felt a little frustrated with the fact that it just seemed like he was like sort of a flirt throughout this entire
1: thing. And he just, well, he just wasn't a very, you know, I, I, like, I, I want to say that he is one dimensional, but I know that's not true like he had a change of heart he's a turncoat you, you could tell like they even with with that other character what what was her name um Jana like they 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 used her almost as a prop to explain why he defected why he was able to defect and also, that force sensitivity, like according to JJ, that's what he was trying to tell Ray. You know, like Ray, I never told you I'm force sensitive. Like that's what he wanted to yell in his dying moments, and that's what he couldn't say in front of Poe. But Poe is also, um as we've read in the comics, he's like semi-force sensitive. Like he grew up with that force tree in his backyard, so he was like exposed to a, like a, a a place for the force. You know, and that's why he's supposedly such a great pilot.
0: I still question that. Like that's the thing that he wanted to tell her because, like, okay, if you are both you know about to die in a sand well, pit jj said it you know i know leave. i know he did but like you know that that is something that he said after the movie it's not something that was in the film so you know if you put yourself in that situation put yourself in in like ray's situation if you're about to die in a pit of quicksand or whatever those those rocks were and someone says there's something i want to tell you i'm force sensitive and then you die it's like your last thought is like okay is that going to help us here? <laughs> like, it, it it just seemed unnecessary. Like, they, I don't even think they had to set that up at all. I think that could have just been like a, a pull aside moment. Like, remember that scene where Finn and Rey are standing in the hallway of the ship and she tells him about her, uh, her dream of the throne? That's a perfect time. Like, you didn't have to set it up. You could have just had it happen right there. It also didn't need to be a joke. Like, like he definitely could have just said it then. I, st- I th- still think it would have been, like, more awkward timing to reveal something like that. Because it's like, okay, this yeah. is a really important thing that I want to tell you because I feel close to you.
1: But that's the last thing you're going to say? Well, I don't want to pretend the humor is lost on me because like I, the joke is that it's supposed to be, I, I love you. It's like Seinfeld, you know, like I've always loved you. United Airlines, you know, like that was the final episode of Seinfeld. And, um, that's what this is supposed to be a, like a spoof on. It's like, Oh, I never told you I loved you. And that's why they're like, he can't say it around, uh, around Poe. Cause he doesn't want a weird Poe out. Like th- clearly like that's what the joke is, but why JJ decided it had to be something else. Like I just don't, I don't know. It was seen it was just stupid. It could have been excluded from the whole movie and I would never and nobody would have missed it. Like right. you could have just, you know, left it kind of up to the way we think Han Solo kind of uh has like you know, we know he doesn't believe in the Force, but he says, may the Force be with you, and he has a heart of gold. So, like, we know, and, and he's very lucky, and we, we all, I think you and I questioned in an episode of this previously about whether Han was, like, some Force sensitivity or something like that. Right,
0: I think, yeah, we've already, we've discussed this, and maybe our terminology the whole time has been wrong, but I always interpreted Force-sensitive as someone who, you know was in some way in touch with the force but not necessarily force wielding in any way
1: exactly and that's i think that's what poe is that's what finn is now that we know and then i think that's what han yeah maz like that's that's totally it and i don't think that needed to be included in this movie it was just like it was a joke that now has been pushed to like weird fan theory, weird fan theory confirmed, or like weird like side thing, like Dumbledore is gay. You know, like something that is true because the creator said it, but necessarily doesn't impact the story. Like it, it it's. I mean, we see more implications. Let's make this a Harry Potter podcast. We see more implications <laughs> of Dumbledore being gay now through Fantastic Beasts, but through the original Harry Potter series, right? Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like it's just like. Yeah, it, it's, it's one of the many things, like, uh, for example, I have this written down in my notes, Poe's backstory um, being filled in here, which is almost contradictory to his comics canon yeah. stuff. Yeah,
0: I meant to ask you about that just over texting, because, you know, in the movie, we find out that he's done some spice running, but how does that fit into the canon that we get through the Marvel?
1: It doesn't, because, like, the, the canon, like, all we see is him as a child growing up. His parents were Alliance pilots, I want to say, um, or maybe not. I forget. It's been a long time since like two years since I read that comic, and um somebody's screaming if anybody's listening to this, somebody's screaming like, here's this, here's this um but yeah, like just finding out that he was not always like very virtuous and he wasn't just like I mean, I guess a pilot somebody fighting for a rebellion has to start somewhere, and if it's not the academy, it's probably gonna be smuggling mm-hmm. it's like like Han, you know Han is a smuggler, was a smuggler, became a smuggler, I don't really know,
0: and it's it's not uncommon for children in this. Uh, universe to want to rebel from what their um, parents or legal guardians want them to do with their lives
1: right and yeah so i mean if if poe didn't go to the academy to learn to fly he clearly you know just learned to fly from his parents and then went into smuggling right after that so like fine it's feasible but like i didn't it seemed very token and like like a way to like, I liked Carrie Russell in it for some reason. Like as this character, like the whole eye thing was kind of cool, and like that moment at the end where he's like, "Yo, you want to make out?" and she's like, "No, I don't want to make out." Like, because that, that happened verbally. Can I kiss yeah. you? And then at the end, when he looked at her and like kind of made a hand luck. gesture, yeah. yeah, and like that was that was a good moment. I enjoyed yeah, that. that. Like, um, but but yeah, like in general, like it just it's Star Wars, I guess. So it's like the convenience is to be expected, but just like meeting this person on a planet. I mean, he was looking for Babu Frick on that planet and he ran into whatever her name is. Carrie Russell. Her name was Zori bliss. Okay. So, but he's not looking for her. He's looking for Babu Frick, right? Mm-hmm. To and she finds him. Right. And so it just like the need for her, like he, they could have just found Babu Frick on their own. It's like Benicio like, del Toro in the last movie. I don't know because Benicio's betrayal of them was like the antithesis of what the uh, whatever her name gary russell did <laughs> i already forgot sorry bliss sorry bliss cool i'm gonna say it 10 times and then i'll have it um but yeah so like Vinicio was like he was there he was there to show everyone that, that like no matter who you are in this war you know like there are people profiting off of it and war is money and like i liked that and when he betrayed them it was just nice i mean it wasn't a nice thing it was a very mean thing but it was it was fun to watch these guys just get betrayed and like thrown into an awful situation because of this one person they decided to trust. And in this movie, they have like this one person they decided to trust who turns out to be really good in the end and like comes through for Poe. Doesn't get destroyed when their entire planet blows up. Um, well, you
0: know, actually, she's more she's more of a Lando. You know, Han shows up. Oh, you you know, he's he's got some uh, some qualms maybe with Empire uh, Strikes Back, Lando. Right? Yeah, that's that's kind of that is probably a, a more apt comparison, but. Um, we, we kind of moved past this a little bit, but I did want to talk just a little bit more about Leia because obviously like there's not much that they could do.
1: I read the article, the Vanity Fair article. Did you read that? I haven't read that yet. No, I I Um, would recommend it. anybody who's listening to this, who wants to know about what went into putting leia in this movie should definitely that that vanity fair article is like an oral history of leia in the rise of skywalker.
0: Okay. Well, I will read that and I'll link to it in the show notes. Um but the first time that I watched it I thought wow, they they made it work. Like I thought, you know, it was like okay, that yeah, that that worked. The second time less so. The second time I noticed all of the the hollowness. You know, like it just started to fall apart for me. The character as a result of the scraps that they had to work with from the last film, it just it didn't feel full. Um, you know, there's a lot of scenes with just the back of her head. Obviously, it's not her. The scenes that are her f- straight on are all exactly the same. She's all just kind of you know, standing there and they're very short lines. And you really start to notice on subsequent rewatches that the script felt written around her rather than inclusive of her. And there, you know, there's nothing that they can do about that, but it was something that just, it just it's sad. And I think it kind of, it did in a way tarnish the the first third of the movie, especially with, you know, Ray, uh, you know, with her training, obviously that's like a very important thing to impart on the viewer is that she has been continually training and reading the books that she, she took from Mach but it just, it stinks. And it just, it made me feel bad. Like I just, it makes me sad. That that she it just made me further sad that she was gone. Like there there were several weepy moments involving Leia in that movie, but beyond those, the, it just kind of I don't know. It it made me feel unsettled when I watched the second time.
1: Everything you saw in that movie, except her face, was digitally created. It was a digital body double. They had stand-ins for during the acting scenes, but like and from the behind the head scenes, but. Anything you saw of Leia, her face was the only thing that was reused. because like, they reused shots from Force Awakens and I think from Last Jedi too, they reused some stuff. And they just started writing the script around her lines in those movies. So like, you know, like the what was the her line about like never underestimate a droid was completely about something else. Then there was I mean, just like the tell me something positive thing, like and like having that cut to snap or R I P snap. Um There was no subtlety to Leia being in this movie. Like I think, like the end, like I just felt like they were treating. (laughs) I can't again. Like this is a Star Wars movie, so I don't know what I'm expecting. But like, I felt like they were treating the audience like they were dumb babies, which maybe we are. But Maz Kanata having to like look at, but she all of but like looked at the camera, and was just like this is going to take all the strength she has left, like when she's getting ready to communicate with Ben. Um, like it just, to me was like, they're clearly trying to make this work because they feel they have no other choice, but like there was another choice and mm-hmm. I know killing her off screen, like having her die off screen or something like that. I, I feel like I would have been better off with a funeral scene and for as a, an opening for this movie and having her voice say, Ben to make Kylo like her, her reaching out from beyond and then the force Ghost at the end. I would have been okay with like, I think that would have been the proper way to handle Carrie Fisher's death and like how to deal with it, like starting with a funeral and like, yeah, it sucks, but like, like to, to, to write somebody out of a movie, but like, it's better than trying to write her into it, you know, like it, we wouldn't have had to deal with like, I mean, how many like reading that article, it was like they spent so much time pulling clips from the previous movies, and writing around it and, and like making these previs stuff, like sending it to the storyboard artists and being like, okay, here's this shot, can you write a storyboard of this scene of the actual scene we're going to do with this, and these lines of dialogue and these shots of her face. And they do it. And then JJ, like, I kind of want the different take. Cause, you know, Carrie Fisher would give multiple performances. She'd give a serious performance and a joking performance, sarcastic performance, like whatever you wanted. Cause she's the best. And then it just, just seeing the trouble they went through to do this and like them deciding it was worth the trouble rather than just being like, well, let's not like box ourselves into this. Let's, like, she didn't need to be alive to communicate with Ben. She didn't right. need to. Like, she, like you saw the back of her head, like, as a she was lot. getting up, to, yeah, and, and going to walk, like, like they, and they were all about, like, in, in the article, they're talking about how, oh, yeah, well, we put, you know, we wanted to make sure we didn't do too many, like, one shots and, like, reaction shots or whatever, because then it would be really obvious that it wasn't her in the movie, and so we made sure we incorporated a lot of, like, two, like, shots with two people, like, like, Ray shaking his hand or, like, getting the lightsaber and everything. They really, like, went all out on some scenes to make it seem like she wasn't there. And I have a feeling that anybody who didn't know the situation, it's the same with Grand Moff Tarkin, like, uh, in Rogue One. Like, a lot of people didn't pick up that he was CG. A lot of people did, but, like, the people that got fooled or people who just really were not invested in, you know, the fact that Peter Cushing is dead um, or, like, who this person even was or the fact that they were in a movie 30 years ago or 40, 50 years ago, whatever. Like, it just... It was very, um, it was just, it was really cl- like, I can't say it's clumsy because it was so well thought out like and planned. It just seemed so unnecessary and yeah. not, not subtle.
0: No, it wasn't subtle.
1: And as a result, it just made me feel like they were underestimating their audience's ability to not overreact, which I know dealing with, this, dealing with the Star Wars fandom, you're dealing with a lot of overreactors, but it, yeah, it I don't know. I think
0: it's just, a, it's now going to be a perpetual reminder that she wasn't there for it. And I think that they could have dealt with that better. But you know, it, it's got to be hard to do. Like I, I don't, I don't know. You're probably right. They probably could have just started off with like a funeral, and that would have been sad, but it would have dealt with it um, right off the bat instead of dragging it out through the first third of a movie. Um, yeah, that I don't know. That's all I really wanted to say on that. But uh, I thought okay. it was, I thought it was, it was worth mentioning because it did at first feel okay, but I think the more we rewatch this movie, I think the, the worse it's going to feel, but, um, okay. So we're going long, but like, I have a bunch of things that I picked out that I really liked, like just moments throughout this thing or ideas that I thought were really interesting. And then, uh, I definitely want to tie this up with like the ending, like the, the ending of the characters and maybe how it ties into the, the greater saga and all of that. But, um, on a similar note to Carrie, we may as well talk about Harrison. So Harrison
1: made a surprise reappearance. I didn't recognize his voice at first. Yeah, oh, you didn't? Like no, I thought it was Luke saying, Hey kid. Oh, no, and, no. Because no, I... they cause they do it off screen and then they cut the shot of him. And I thought it was gonna be Luke's force ghost. And I was very excited for that. I was I was down for either, but like
0: Both of their voices did get pretty gravelly with age. <laughs> yeah. But no, like I, I think in the the post Movie discussions that I, I read online, there seemed to be some confusion on whether or not Han was a force ghost in his appearance to Ben. But, you know, given that the answer was actually in the script, I don't really understand that. This was clearly a memory. Like, this was Ben. Um, this is like a second chance for Ben to return to the light in re living and uh, giving a new end to probably his worst moment um, as Kylo Ren. And I loved it. I thought it
1: was great. When you have a force ghost there, there's something, I mean, not actually concrete. Cause I mean, I guess Luke can now interact with, I guess force ghosts can interact with oh, physical yeah. <laughs> and,
0: and like use the force.
1: Yeah. Yoda made it like burned a tree. So I guess that's like, I, I guess. Mean, yeah, that's true. Whatever. Um, I'm down. Um, but those are like actual things that are happening, like objective instances. Like, I'm sure there's some subjective elements to them. Like maybe some, maybe not everybody can see a force Ghost. I guess, but who knows? But this was entirely subjective for Kylo Ren in this moment. So if, like, someone was just watching him, just kind of, like, he's just kind of st- standing there on the this wreckage of the Death Star and just kind of looking there and just starts mumbling to himself. And then, I don't know if there was, like, a hug or anything that happens, but like, I forget. But, like, he just suddenly just turns around and hucks the lightsaber. And, like this, like, there's no conversation actually happening besides what's in his head. And it's not tangible so therefore he also knows it's not tangible like han is not an independent actor in this instance like han is a figment so kylo ren is the one that is making this interaction in his head right Or, or ben solo at this point i guess
0: because he like
1: he knows like he knows what he needs
0: to do he knows what he should have done and this is this is him in his own mind giving him like the opportunity to do it again like if you right. if i could go back in time this is what i would have done and this is what i'm doing now because it's the right thing to do
1: yeah well it's i'm all there for the scene like the scene is great i just i just think about it i'm like okay this is not like a force ghost you have to like understand like I'm, I'm looking at it like the literal what we're seeing you know <laughs> objectively is a dude standing on the wreckage just kind of like thinking to himself and then hucking his lightsaber and to me that's really funny
0: it is yeah All well, it is funny anytime somebody throws a lightsaber in this entire saga it's funny but
1: was there any stuff they did with the lighting um in like because remember how the light changes very quickly before or suddenly when he he's about to kill han in force awakens did they do anything like that
0: no i think this? it stayed pretty bright
1: yeah i mean the fact that it was bright outside though and it was just the sim like they're standing on like a lar- like a like a large piece of machinery that's high up in the air you know like having this moment. I thought it was way really sweet and like you know, I definitely had that PTSD like trigger moment when he's like I know what I have to do but I don't know if I have the strength to do it and I'm like, oh god, last time this happened, you stabbed him through the gut. Like exactly. That's what I think should have made it perfectly clear to anybody who was confused about this scene. Right.
0: Like half of those lines you've heard before.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, also, I had Ben and I um talked about this too. Um we had I am I initially and I think I still am of this opinion. Um, but I could be swayed. I I think I could convince myself or you can convince me. I think that dialogue would have been much more effective at the end had Kylo Ren said, I know, or had Ben Solo said, I know. Because the way that I love you, I know kind of plays out in the Star Wars saga is Han is about to get frozen in carbonite and Leia says, I love you. And he says, I know, like just being like, yeah, whatever, I know. Like I'm the man. I love you. I know. And then it goes up in flames um and then what was the i love you i know in return of the jedi they're on the they're uh, when they're on endor and Uh like leia just got hit and they have han and leia like they're holding them up and leia has a hidden blaster i love you i know and so the callback in this to me should have been like it should have just been all the all the dialogue that was already there and then what what, like how does the i know happen it it just it came out of nowhere there was no
0: no i don't think so like the i know is the the reason i know is great is because it's even though somebody says something it's him responding to something that did need to be said like he knows he knows that ben you know has been struggling and that he's had a hard time and like he knows how he feels so for ben to to say that like he knows he's just saying i know like i understand like you don't you
1: don't have to explain it to me and i think that's why you think it'd
0: be better if if ben said it
1: yes and the reason why i think that is because i think that i know is given its power from the statement that comes beforehand i think when you say i love you i know it's because this person has just bared their soul and 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 and, you know like said something so massive and heavy and important and you're just blowing it off and that's why it's funny and it's heartwarming and it's, it's just everything that Han Solo and Leia's relationship is in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And in this you have, you know, you're basically based on, I do want to talk about this This as a good time to like shoehorn this in, but like, you know, the, the physical mannerisms of Kylo Ren to Ben Solo, they're very different. Like you can see it's a different person. His facial expressions, the way he moves, the way he shoots, the way he smiles, the way he shrugs and like everything is Han from the moment he changes back to Ben. And, a great way to signify that or to really like maybe unlock the door and reveal that to the audience in a better way um, is to me is for Han to say, I love you. And like a pause, like a beat, you know, like a two or three second beat, maybe like five seconds and just being like, and, and Ben saying, I know, you know, like in the same way that his father did in the same way that his mother did instead of just Han, you know, chiming in with the, cause there's no, I love you that comes before Hans, I know. He says, he says, and he says something like, hey, dad, um, and then I know. Yeah, that's why I like it. Like, Well, no, no, like I, I agree that it's sweet, but I think, just imagine it if it happened the other way. And when I imagine it happening the other way, I'm like, oh, damn, that that would feel so much more, like the poetry of it would be so much better that like he is truly a solo organa now. Like he is, He. it would be him. And, and it would also like, if he had smiled while he said it, like, that would have been such a great tip-off to the audience that, like, what what happened. Because instead, he just, like, takes a TIE fighter to Exegol, and... You don't think that'd be too on the nose? Like, I mean, he chucked the lightsaber, you get it. He, he chucked the lightsaber, that's very on the nose, but I think that, I, I don't think that needed to happen, first of all, it's a pretty badass lightsaber and I like it a lot, but I know I, I understand that he needed to lose it, but he could have easily had it knocked out of his hand or like he could, isn't it the Jedi that changes the color of the blade? Like the Jedi determines it. So like, what if he had just lit, lit up that cross guard uh, lightsaber and it had been like white or blue or green or something like that? Like, what if it had just been a different color? Um, I don't know if that's how lightsabers work. So, you know, it's not the crystals like it used to be anymore. It's like something about the Jedi has to turn it that way. Like the force. But yeah, like that—that that to me, that scene is one of the many like kind of things I went over with my group of friends, being like, "I I, I think it should have happened this way." And there's a million things you could do that about, and there's a million people that would disagree. And I, like I said, I could, you can you could definitely convince me that it was the right way in this movie, and I'm sure it is the right way because that's how it ended up. That's what JJ and whoever else wrote this thing said. But like to me, it just it would have been much more effective had that moment been for Ben and instead of Han getting to like steal that line. Yeah, but that's the thing
0: like he's it, Han isn't stealing that line. Like every single line in that is Ben. Like right. this is a memory. This is
1: <laughs> I guess this is how we started this part of the conversation by saying like yes, everything that we're seeing is a product of Ben's mind. So therefore he says I know. Like so I guess he did. To me, this is more about his relationship with his dad. Like he, you know,
0: obviously regrets what he did in killing his yeah. father, and this is about him wanting to you know, rehash that in, in his memory of his dad. Like I'm sure Han didn't just say, I know that one time, I'm sure it's like part of his lexicon. It's, you know, how dads have like corny things that they can't help, but say all the time. And you roll your eyes at it as a kid. It's probably like something that he remembers of his dad. And that's why, that's why he says it. I mean, if we wanted we've dug we really deep on what I had as a like one line bullet point, but like that's how <laughs> I see it. Like this is just his memory of his father.
1: Just imagine it though. Just imagine the like how like imagine this shot in your head. Like it's them talking or doing the back and forth, the one shots or whatever. And then it's like, son, I love you. And then cut to a wide shot. It's just him standing there. This like empty space in front of him but it's like a you know Wes Anderson not not that angle but like maybe a lower down angle or something like that just him standing there alone and then the wide shot, so very clear there's nobody else there and then close back to the close-up of Kylo Ren's face and him be like the slightest smile comes over his face and he says I know and then he just turns around and hucks the lightsaber or whatever did he do that before <laughs> the conversation or after I forget Right at the end because then he turns around and he's gone yeah, well, I think he could either huck the lightsaber, take it or leave the lightsaber thing. I don't give a shit, whatever. Um, but like, that's what I would—that's what I would have done for that scene, and I think I would have gotten everybody in the feels. And I think everybody should agree with me.
0: <laughs> uh, well, can I gush about the archaeology in this movie? Since we're talking about the Death Star,
1: uh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know what you mean. Well, but we talked sure. about
0: this in the in the teaser episode, where like I just I like I really loved the idea of the submerged Death Star. Like I'm a big fan of the that subgenre of, um, well, whether it's science fiction or just archaeology movies in general, where it's underwater. Yes, basically anything James Cameron has ever done or touched. Um, so I felt like this movie was specifically made for me in that regard. There was just to- loads of there was just loads of archaeology throughout the entire movie. Sith temples partially submerged, Death Stars, uh, buried sabers in the Tatooine desert, um, a knife that. You know, works like the Goonies key. uh it it just it took all these scenes and um that give me so much excitement as a kid in movies like Indiana Jones or Alien, Prometheus, and it just upped the ante like because it's in Star Wars. I've always wanted more of that, and usually I have to go to like the books or the comic books to to get more of that kind of lorey stuff or the TV shows. You know, Mortis kind of gave me the same feels, um, but I love that. I just every bit of that you know, treasure hunting aspect and, you know, decaying bits of empire past. Ah, I just loved it. It was like when, um, like the, the first star destroyer on Jakku, that was so great to me. Like that's, I want more of that. And they gave
1: me that S star. They show that at the end when the star destroyer is going down over Jakku, they cut to that same exact shot with the X wing in the sand and the star destroyer in the background. Mm -hmm. I like that. i I love the
0: thing we saw (laughs) that that's that is the thing that we saw in the movie but yeah that that stuff really got me really well um and uh i i think that the if i had one qualm it's that the death star could have been more underwater i would have loved to see some underwater scenes with uh some rebreathers i thought that'd be really cool
1: no Would like a Gungan sub going around there?
0: Yeah. I, well, no, I just thought it'd be neat. And not that I thought that Ray would carry one around with her. So I, it makes more sense for her to climb because she knows how to climb those things. She's done that before. It it more it fit the character more. But personally, I would have loved, loved to see
1: more underwater death star action that was the scene in the teaser too yeah i was excited that's what got me excited about it right but i'm so glad i didn't see that because like then i would have known that ray t- stole the skiff and went out there in the water and instead when she stole the skiff and went over the water i was like oh ray stole the skiff and went out in the water that's really <laughs> cool but i didn't know that was about to happen like it's yeah. just no one should watch anything past the first teaser yeah they give away a lot all right what are you saying on a related note uh yeah on a related note okay so one of my favorite
0: parts of the archaeology was of this was the sith temple but at large exegol what a great design I think this might be my all-time favorite Star Wars location. Like, first of all, it looks really cool, but it really affected me in the theater. And I don't know if I've told you this personally. Maybe it's been a, in an episode of Podgasm at some point. But as a kid, when I was sick, I would have the most absolutely terrifying nightmares. And most of these involved me being violently and suddenly crushed to death. And what does that have to do? Exegol? Well, for years, I've been trying to explain the scene of those dreams to my friends and family, but I never had a reference that came remotely close so I could show it off and relate that to other people. But now I do. So those shots showing Kylo Ren and Rey walking underneath the floating monolith took me right back to one of those dreams. It was terrifying for me in the theater.
1: Yes, that that definitely gave me great um, unrest when that whenever they would walk underneath that thing.
0: Oh, it's brilliant! It's brilliant design. Like you can make things dark and scary by making them dark and scary, but to make them really terrifying, there has to be more to it. And to make it so it's this gigantic floating stone citadel. Very Geiger, don't you think? Like or like? Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, in a way, it's more Ridley Scott. I more guess more Ridley Scott for sure. Yeah, Geiger would have made it a lot more like. Uh, you know there'd be a lot of lot more curves (laughs) um but yeah yeah, no, you're right
1: it was like very blade runner in the in the monolithic sense and very like alien and the like the weird ship kind of just existing in this open space yeah and the lightning just kind of like you know
0: darting around like the the monolith itself is almost like a a a thundercloud and it's it just sends lightning everywhere it was awesome great design whoever
1: designed that i kudos to them i cannot wait to get to that art book it it was so good like yeah there's a lot of great stuff in there. Um, but I, I have a question, I guess, where it's related to the emperor and, and that's that emperor that we see at the beginning and throughout the course of the whole movie, is that the emperor that fell down in the death star or is like, he's lived and died many times or something like that? Is something he says, something similar. Yeah. Is that person that we're seeing suspended and hooked up to all those tubes and being kept alive that way? Is that just like, a Darth Sidious that's existed for a thousand years in that tomb. And is he sending clones of himself out or like, um, is that the same thing that just, cause I'm confused. I don't think that there's anything clear on that. I mean, I, in my
0: head Canon, it's, it's the one that fell. Like it's not, I don't
1: think it's unlikely that he would have fallen and been able to escape somehow. But, um, you know, this is, this is where I, we had, we have avoided talking about this for the entire thing, but like the lore introduced in this movie is like, it's game changing, to say the least. Oh, there's so much. There's so much. Yeah, and like, is he every Sith that gets and that gets sucked into him, like this this body? And it was Sheev Palpatine from the prequel trilogy that was walking around. Was he like a clone that got? put out there and like because he's cloning snokes he's making snokes. right like it shows we know that the technology is there
0: the question is whether or not he was using it on himself and as a subsequent question of that whether or not cloning somebody uh allows them to inherit their force powers because if there's if there's clones of the emperor do all of those clones have equal power in the force i don't think so that's what makes me think that that isn't the case here but it's it's worth considering
1: yeah, I mean, I think you're right. The headcanon, I think the the true canon that will be revealed is that that's the one that fell off of Endor. But then it begs the question, how did he get away? Which I'm sure will get a great comic or a great yeah, novel about that's, that. Oh, I
0: can't wait for that. That's That was the first thing that I thought.
1: Like, it, 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 I do like how that framed Snoke. Like, remember how we were saying that, like, in our debates over the past two movies about who Snoke is and what he is, you know, like I was like, I think that Snoke is just some gaudy dude who just like seduced the first order who happened to be fluent in the dark side. Like, you know, that's fine. Like that. And that's all I thought he was. And then he got axed in the last Jedi. And, you know, it turns out I was right. You know, like he was just some overconfident dark side user. And then this one, it gets revealed that he was made by the emperor and the emperor has always been pulling the strings. So just like it, it just feels better. No, it does. All of this stuff. And I think we, we talked about this in the teaser analysis, too. But, like, I think it just rounds out the saga completely by doing it this way and making it about him. And I was reading uh, something that Trevorrow said. Um, he said it wasn't till later in, when J.J. got involved again that he decided that the Emperor was going to be a part of it. Right. I did read, I did read that as well. It, it, like the, the, We're talking about lore. I, I think that... Um, just like the force dyad being introduced. That was my next bullet point.
0: Yeah. Like very interesting concept, new concept. They, they introduce it as something that, um, had, had previous lore. Like, um, I I was doing some reading on this today and I think they might've mentioned this in the movie that there was a prophecy that said that there would be a dyad in the force, which hadn't been seen in, you know, a very long time. Um, I I think it was said at some point in the movie, but, you know, who uh, who had, who'd foretold this in a prophecy or whatever? I don't know. But it was, I guess it was like passed down through the, the Sith, like the, the Sith cultists that you see there. I, they're called the Sith Eternal Cultists, which I think somehow stem from like the Sith Acolytes and uh, some other devotees that we saw um, primarily actually in aftermath. The more that I, the more this series has gone on, the more st- like the more aftermath is actually really kind of a cool book. Like, you know, problems with the writing aside, like the story is cool. And the characters that it introduces you to, I think help you understand the Sith better outside of the context of the Sith that we know, like through, you know, when we know the Sith, we, we think of the Sith Lords that are in the movies but it goes beyond that because there are followers of the sith they're just
1: not yeah, the ones with fader's lightsaber and aftermath right exactly and then
0: also uh what was his name Yup, something he, he was like an advisor of palpatine he was in that um he was in that uh basically that boardroom where all the old uh empire folks are trying to figure out what to do. now that The emperor is gone and they're st- still trying to keep up the facade that the emperor is still alive. Um, he was like a, he's like a, basically the Sith historian. He's like an archivist of the Sith and, and father of the Sith. And I think he, um, had a lot to do with, uh, what came later, what we've seen now in this movie. So I think there will probably be something that will tie him into, uh, locating the emperor and, um, helping him cultivate this massive army of uh sith cultists that could not only help him stay alive but also help him build a gigantic army and and fleet so i'm excited for all that but I, I did think that was an interesting thing but going back to the dyad uh that was an interesting new concept and i i feel like it might have been a bit of a device to explain the new tricks that we've seen between Rey and Kylo in the former films and, and definitely in this one, you know, where they can actually like reach out and physically interact. That said, I buy into
1: it. Uh, I buy into it too, but I think it's more than just a way to explain the tricks. I think it's definitely, I think that's a utility of it. But I think The Force dyad kind of links every movie. It, it 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 essentially is the thread that you can use to tie every movie together and like or like maybe it's the, the the culmination of everything in the movies so in The Last Jedi you have Luke secluding himself on that island because he thinks he's just one man what can he do is he supposed to take his laser sword and defeat the Empire or whatever what could he pl- what role is he in this and you have Ryan Johnson saying that he's like this is him questioning himself and seeing what he can really do and kind of coming to the resolution at the end that yeah he can do something but it's you know essentially with the idea of the force dyad it becomes these two families i guess of the force Mm -hmm. the skywalkers and the palpatines Mm -hmm. and with this new trilogy we have the idea of this of star wars being the story of anakin skywalker is gone you know like i don't think that holds up anymore as of this new trilogy, I was hoping that it would pan out more to be that uh, they would hold on to that. But it's not anymore. It's not the rise and fall of Darth Vader. This is like it's just it's this crazy millennia long struggle between the light side of the force and the dark side of the force. And I think I brought this up to you earlier today in a text combo. But like there's that theory that sort of became headcanon for most Star Wars fans about Palpatine causing like Palpatine Insidious creating Anakin Skywalker, you know, the virgin birth and everything like that. Uh, Shmi is like giving birth to Anakin without a father. And, you know, the writers of the story group um, recently debunked that theory. They said, no, that is not the case. You know, when it was put that, like there was a very ambiguous positioning of that idea and it wasn't real. It was just a you know fever dream as it was in the, in the comic that it was positioned. And, with the Force dyad, you kind of see the illustration of like what Anakin was in response to. Like, you have this, you know, really evil side of the Force that exists and just kind of festering. And Anakin was sent to balance that. Like, he was created, like, the Force created him out of necessity. And to me, that's like... The forced dyad thing happening like he is the other side like the skywalker family is like bam right there in 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 response to the palpatine family that is just wrecking everything and you know darth vader you know has his whole thing he fathers luke and leia who are going to turn the tides even more he thinks he tries to he shows luke that a person can turn from the dark side and come back and can vanquish evil we think the emperor is dead turns out the emperor is not actually dead but the Skywalkers live on and turns out Palpatine's also lived on in a couple different ways. One, the emperor didn't die. And two, Ray is a direct descendant of that evil. And then you have the Skywalker side switching to the bad side. And then you have the Ray's side, like the, the evil Palpatine side becoming good. It just shows like this weird helix of force user of like the sides of the force kind of like constantly switching sides. And like, it, it explains a lot to me. Well, yeah, because the, the
0: whole idea of of the Force throughout this entire saga has been balance. And it's been a balanced struggle, you know, one way to the other. Like, Jedi are empowered, then the Sith come to power, and there's a, you know, then the Sith fall, but then they come back. Like, it's it's been a back and forth, but with the Dyad, it's two individuals who, you know, identify with different sides of the Force, the dark and the light, finding a compromise and a peace between the two of them. And as a result of that, you know, eliminating the big evil and this kind of, this ties into really the end of this film. That's that's the whole point of the last movie of the saga is to resolve the, the primary struggle, which has been the balance in the force. And I hate to go from something as like cool and poetic as the diet and the force uh, to shipping on the (laughs) internet (laughs) but okay but i think it i think it relates so in the star wars fandom there is a contingent of self-proclaimed relos this is a term i'm told that uh, identifies the people who believe that um the only fitting end to the saga hinged on an enduring romantic relationship between Ray and Ben Solo.
1: Ray Palpatine, say Ray Palpatine and Ben Solo. (laughs) Ray Skywalker. Ray Solo and Ben Solo.
0: Nope. This is probably the most problematic requirement ever imposed on the saga's writers. In my opinion, like I, I I think these fans are absolutely absurd, but I do think it's another avenue to discuss Kylo slash Ben Solo's end. Personally, I think it's only right that Ben died saving Ray Given that he has been the big bad guy throughout this entire saga, well, you know, a big bad guy who obviously does terrible things, um, this is his redemption in the Force. You know, Kylo Ren killed dozens of innocent people on screen, likely hundreds in person, uh, was in charge during the destruction of multiple populated planets, and he murdered his own father.
1: Like... Dude's a bad guy. That was Kylo Ren, though. That wasn't Ben.
0: Right. That's the
1: that's the argument. But
0: screw that, man. Like if the filmmakers would have given him anything more than the chance to redeem himself, to save Rey, and come back to the light side of the Force, I think it would have cheapened the entire story. And that's where the diad really comes in. Like, if it weren't for this diad and the force, you know, it, it was just it would have been the continued tug and and pull from the different sides, like one person comes to power, then somebody finds a hole in the Death Star. And it that goes on and on and on. But being able to bring these two characters together to bring sort of a sense of of finality to the greater story, I thought really worked. And also, it's important to note that Kylo followed the exact same arc as his grandfather, which continues the ring theory poetic nature of the saga.
1: That's what I mean when I talk about this movie in terms of like everything that was supposed to happen on a broad scale did happen, you know, Mm -hmm. but again, like just much like the conversation that happened between Han Solo, like it's the finer points and the execution of it that kind of makes me upset. And yeah, like, I don't know. Like my Ben was kind of peeved by, the the kiss he like didn't really understand that it paid off and i was like did you forget in the last jedi that like shirtless scene where she like asked him to put a <laughs> robe on like there's some clear tension you know yeah and i think some people were like you know remember you looked at it like um like a jealous brother type you know like with the whole han father relationship that she kind of was developing so like i think there's a lot of different ways to look at like how ben solo or kylo ren viewed ray but ultimately i think that you know they were just young they, hot teens they, Yeah, they were young. Well, he was in his 20s. He was 29. She was 19. Sure. In Force Awakens. So like, you know, not necessarily teens, but the young, hot lovers that just, (laughs) they just kind of were into each other. But like she would never, she could never be with Kylo and she knew that. And then in the two seconds she had with Ben, she got to kiss him. And I think that's cool. Sure. Like, his mannerisms changing after he became Ben again. Like, it was just so awesome. He's and so good. He's so good. Yeah, he's a fantastic actor. He goes to my dog park sometimes, so I'm doesn't scared him? that... Yeah, I'm scared that I'll run into him and I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> Ask him why he walked out on fresh air. It was because he doesn't like to listen to himself and they disregarded him.
0: Yeah, okay, step out of the room. Like, it's radio. They got to play it for the people on the radio. I'm cutting all this. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I kind of want to talk about a couple more things. Mm-hmm i was looking up dyad on wikipedia okay. and specifically about, the dyad and the force or just the definition of the no word? just the definition of a dyad so it's a chromatid it's like genes a sister chromatid is either one of two chromatids in the same chromosome joined together by a common centromere a pair of sister chromatid is called a dyad so it's like two genes i guess
0: and the definition in the context of Star Wars is that a dyad in the Force was a unique bond between two Force-sensitive beings, making them one in the Force. The power of a dyad was as strong as life itself, and the individuals who formed a dyad shared a connection that spanned across space and time.
1: That's, that's another kind of lore buster there that comes up, is the whole, like... Because so, like we know the transmission across the galaxy kind of thing, Luke showed us that in Last Jedi, and that was pretty tight. And like something like that was a very small pill to swallow. But like the big one was like reaching out and grabbing the necklace off of Rey's neck. That is game changing. I guess I don't know. It's everything there's magic. Things are levitating. Clearly, physical physics are like manipulated by the force. But like I don't. They're they're a galaxy apart, you know. And he's right. able to pluck something through space time. It's like. It's where the physics of it is just like, oh man, there's really no physics in this. It's like, this is true fantasy. I I can think
0: of one other instance where time is a factor. I think what I really like about Star Wars is that they've generally been able to stray from using time as as a, a tool or a crutch or however you want to look at it. Like in the Marvel Universe, they get to use time a bunch and they get to use that to change things and to make stuff work but I I like the way that Star Wars has always found a way to make it work without really using time as a, as a a variable. Mm -hmm. And this, that the being the, the space time aspect of it, being able to, to you know, reach out and grab something physical and bring it back or, or just to touch or like even have a, a lightsaber fight. Like, those things are new but it still feels okay because it's not yeah. specifically time and the one the only one other thing that i could think of was actually during the mortis arc when they re-emerged from mortis and it was like no time had passed right i could deal with that in more of a fantasy sense
1: everyone is always 100 percent of the time said star wars is science fantasy and not science fiction right but this is like the, the, the this is really where like the nail in the coffin on that argument or discussion comes i think just once you have things like being teleported across the galaxy um through physical contact you know like the force connection was one thing but and this is i i'm I'm for it it's new and so it's a it's a larger pill to swallow than simply being able to communicate through the force and i'm down for it but it's just like it sucks that this is how we this (laughs) is where we find we find out at the very end
0: but i also think it could have it could have been worse in the way that they it could have just been like they could have solved everything through time travel which would have been cheap and, oh, God.
1: and lame like a marvel thing
0: right yeah. exactly that's that's why i'm not you're a you're a big marvel fan but i that's why i
1: don't dig it i like them i don't like time travel I, time travel is my biggest peeve in any movie i like time trope. travel
0: i'm a doctor who fan but in the marvel universe it's just like whenever they have a problem they're like oh we have a we have a stone for that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah like, i mean there's always like a, a, a you know they use sex something yeah. with time travel and in, in that universe yeah. this one hasn't relied on it which is nice that's a good point i really like that you point that out
0: um there's like one more point in what actually happened on screen that i think is worthy of discussion and that's the actual ending of the sith like that's the crux of the whole thing and so you think <laughs> sure <laughs> no it's but if, not but if ray would have followed through the sith you know probably would have lived on that's the idea that's what they were trying to get across is if Rey would have said yes to palpatine and killed him then he would have lived in her and the sith would have lived on so on and so forth so i think i don't know and and maybe this is like really obvious but i don't think it seemed obvious to too many people right off the bat but it was like the the big thing i was thinking about as i was walking silently out of the theater 10 paces behind was that it's only fitting that sidious destroy himself and that it was done by reflecting, you know, his force lightning um, back from the blades of the Skywalker twins. I just thought that was so great.
1: It was. It was one way to do it. Yeah, and it was. It was not ineffective. I'll give you that. But how much do you want to bet that Episode Ten comes out by 2025, and <laughs> it turns out that as um, or Ben Solo, he put a baby in Rey. <laughs> no. I promise you, that's the way they go with it. If nope. if another Star Wars episodic film comes out if they do do an episode 10 which it seems unlikely but if they do i ray is pregnant at the end of the rise of skywalker and there's no, nothing you can tell me that will make me think differently
0: that's that's force rape they would never do it no it was consensual hard pass uh no <laughs> but anyway i like that um but no i, I do want to hear i want to hear what you what you thought like you say the the beats were there but something could have been different
1: um my favorite movie in the news in the sequel trilogy is force awakens that and and i think it's because it opened a new world of possibility can you pick a favorite
0: it's between it's between force awakens and this one yeah that makes sense i really i really like this movie i the more i talk about it the more i i find that i, I really enjoy it it's just so much fun and i, I think you're about to tell me how you th- you wish or you think it should have ended no
1: i think it should i think it ended just i think everything all the pieces fell into the right spots okay i just think it could have been executed better um the big the big concerns i have with this trilogy as a trilogy is that i think that while i love the last jedi (laughs) and i think i like it as a movie better than uh rise of skywalker um i do think that um it didn't need to happen. Uh, I oh. think that the... I, okay, so I think the... Okay, now, now I'm going to backtrack for a second, so don't start yelling at me yet. I think that the plot, the the over... the the, the framework of Last Jedi in which there's that low-speed chase... Or well, I guess it's a high-speed because it's outer space. But like that big chase scene, um, the framework for that movie is not the best framework that could have been for like that whole sequence of being chased and the resistance being decimated. I think that could have taken place in a novel or a comic Mm -hmm. and it would have been better off for it. I do think however, that it's important. All the stuff that happened with Luke, I think everything that they went through on that planet uh, on Octu, like I think, all the discussion and the dialogue was great. And I think that it's important. I like what they did with Luke. I don't care that he wasn't like a badass or whatever everybody complains about. Like that was fine. But I think the movie that we kind of painted with my group of friends is like a second film would have been the introduction of Palpatine, uh, the reintroduction of Palpatine. Because, I mean, we didn't talk about really... Like I mean, we got our introduction to Palpatine in the teaser, but this movie gets its introduction to Palpatine uh, at the opening. Like it's just the Emperor is still alive. Like uh, it's a yeah. transmission from the Emperor, and it's like, oh, okay, we're speak. just jump- Yeah, we're just we're just jumping right into this. Like sure, and that's okay. Again, that's one way to do it, but like. I think from a trilogy perspective, it would have been much more effective to bring the emperor back. And I know nobody could have, because nobody had the foresight. Nobody was planning this trilogy in this way, but like to bring the emperor back in the second movie would have been way more of a cliffhanger. Cause think about remember If you look back at our review of the last Jedi, I think I said this at the end of it. And I definitely remember saying it to other people is that like, when that movie ended, I wasn't like, Oh man, I can't wait for the next one. What a cliffhanger. Like I was just like, okay, we're done for this two years. Cool. Yeah. And I think in order to propel The Last Jedi forward it needed a cliffhanger and I think that the, I think the Ray reveal would have been better at the end of that because in, I mean it would have been too, maybe too close to Empire Strikes Back and finding out that Luke is the offspring of this horrible thing but like I think I would have as a Star Wars fan I would have been fine with it. Like it just, like whatever, I don't care that it's too similar. It's great poetry and like it is it is a head-scratcher, you know? Maybe bringing back the Emperor too soon would have made it too obvious that Rey was the kid, but, like... Like, the th- I think the threat would have been
0: more present. Like, his fl- the, the threat in the final movie, if that was done, if the big reveal happened in the second movie, the big threat in the third movie would be the big fleet, and it would be more than just that battle. And that's kind of something that we've seen before. Like, you know, we've seen lots of big ships that can destroy planets. And it was kind of nice that in this one, it wasn't as big of a threat in the long run that it could have been. It could have been an entire movie was this big fleet of, you know, star destroyers that were going to destroy the entire galaxy uh, unless they all stepped in line. But I don't, I don't know. Like I, I, I agree that the pacing of the second film in this trilogy sits apart in a way that in, hindsight now it feels like there was wasted space and there could have been more in that movie that drove the overarching story along and that there's nothing that we can do about it now but even with what we have now just trying to recut that in my mind into uh, a more balanced trilogy i can't can't figure out a way to do that that gives a good cliffhanger at the end of that and then also allows for enough to happen in the last movie that it that it works i don't know I don't know it's hard it's hard to do and it stinks because i i think last jedi is is a good movie i agree with you like I, i still have a whole bunch of problems with the casino b story but
1: i just i mean i just think it's again it's like it's a it's i'm not against it but i just think it is it's a side story it's something that happens in between movies and
0: well it's tough and it all just stems back to the idea that they probably should have had more of this figured out from the start and I don't think that anybody would disagree with that. I think even the filmmakers would probably have preferred that in hindsight, like having a more overarching plan. There's nothing wrong with having different people step in to make the movies. Sure, Ryan Johnson still could have come in and made an art Star Wars movie. There, there's nothing wrong with that, but having it um, more cohesive in the grander story probably would have been good. And who knows? Like maybe, maybe that isn't possible to do anymore in a time when things leak and. Like, the entire trilogy could have been ruined if they would have set from the start that Palpatine was, was still the big bad. But it, that's not something I want
1: to think about. Like, I guess, but then you have the MCU, and, like, leaks happen with that, too. Leaks happen with Game of Thrones. Like, it's it just, like, I don't think that it would have been impossible to have a more thought-out ending to this, and or to have more, more... I still feel like it's different. I I, I don't... I can't
0: compare Star Wars and and marvel movies in my mind that way i don't know how the marvel movies were planned out ahead
1: of time i don't think you have to compare the actual movies but i think you can compare the universe and the the execution of the universes
0: no because in comic books the idea with with marvel comics is that like anything is possible and there's a power
1: for everything like there's an ant man for god's sake yeah but we see that in rise of skywalker like, anything is possible. We we learn new things are possible. First, communication and transmission across galaxy, then moving of things, and then, you know, it, it's just healing, like, the literal healing of flesh um, through the Force. Like, they're all superheroes. It's not different, it, but it's just... Well, the... I guess we do, we do see healing in,
0: like, the first 20 minutes of A New Hope. Uh, oh, are you going to do the stupid Obi-Wan waking Luke up thing? He's not waking him up by putting his hand on his forehead. Like... He's, he's healing him. Luke was hurt pretty bad. He's just not bloody because that's not something they wanted to put on screen.
1: I disagree. That's, I've, I've definitely, like, somebody said that to me. That's my, and I, that's
0: been my interpretation from
1: day one of my Star Wars I think. Sure, I think he can wake, he can be waking Luke, but he's not like, it's not like he's Luke He's using got a, the force
0: <laughs> to wake him up? You could do that with a Shoulder tug like you don't
1: have to well it's his mind though it's not like luke's brain melted and he restored half of it like i guess that if you showed me the blood and the cuts closing up like they did on kylo ren
0: might have had head trauma he wasn't bleeding maybe he maybe had head trauma he got thrown down on the rocks
1: i need to see a big lump on his head <laughs> i need to see the lump disappear if you're i didn't think this would be important
0: thing. to people podcasting in 2019 when they filmed that um it's wrapped up well i I don't know. I don't have the same complaints that you do. Maybe I'm just trying to see the the best in this movie because it's over and now I can just kind of appreciate it as a whole thing. But um I don't know, man. This movie got me excited about Star Wars again. I'm not going to lie. The, the last like year or two have been kind of rough. Solo didn't really do a whole lot for me, and maybe The Mandalorian did a little bit of it, but you know, I'm excited about Star Wars again. I'm like I want to read some books. I want to like dig into some stuff more. It it's just been a while since I felt this excited about Star Wars, probably since you know, about the time The Force Awakens was coming out and we started this thing. Do
1: you remember what we said about after The Force Awakens came out and how we had so many questions about everything? And I was like, this is stupid because we're not going to get these answers. Like, even in the EU, like the, the the novels and the stuff. And part of it was because it wasn't written yet. Um, but the other part is that it just, it would ruin the reveals like they couldn't write about ray they couldn't write about palpatine right because they just you know probably most people thought he was gone uh-huh. like there's a lot of planning that goes into this stuff but there's not a lot of and but they're not allowed to give you answers in between like yeah they couldn't they couldn't fill ray's parentage in before the last jedi and now we can get answers yeah. like well, everything no, yeah, we sure. wanted to know we have the big yeah. like pole answers and now we want to find i want to know who palpatine got down with you yeah, know like, we're gonna get great w- interviews
0: we're gonna get we're gonna get Rinsler books on these you know like there's so much to come out on these movies that like I'm, an, I'm excited an
1: oral history I'm so excited for an oral history of the sequel trilogy like yeah. we have like little interviews here and there, but like it I would may just still love... take some time. I wouldn't expect this anytime soon. Like I that's think that's what I mean. Well, even if even if well, it someday. isn't soon, even if it isn't soon, like I'm looking forward to knowing the ins and outs of this trilogy and like the frustrations that people had. In the yeah. same way, we can see documentaries now on the frustrations that were in Star Wars and like the secrecy that surrounded the Darth Vader reveal. And like I want to know what was like that on this movie and mm-hmm. like what was kept kept secret. I want to know like the alts that they shot. You know how like nowadays in movies. Um, they'll write like four different scripts for a movie, yeah, and they'll shoot all these different scenes like that's what I think happened um in this movie. uh, what was the alt that I had an idea for let me let me think for a second. Oh, it was the end, the end of the movie the very the literal end of this film i I'm willing to put money on the idea of there being two endings for this movie, uh or three, and I think that they shot all three and <laughs> JJ Abrams listening to this right now. You're so wrong, man. That's what he's saying. Um I think and I think they tested all three endings and des- and had to decide which one was the best one. I think they shot an ending where Ray says, "I'm Ray Skywalker." I think they shot an ending where she said, "I'm just Ray." And I think there was an ending that they saw, shot where she said, "I'm Ray Palpatine." But that's probably least likely. I think that's probably but I do think that there was probably an ending where she said, "I'm just Ray." And I would have been fine with that. I mean, I, I, I don't care either way. Like, That's when I can confidently say I wish she hadn't taken the Skywalker name. And I wish they'd call this movie something else. Because the whole movie was about accepting who you are. And, and then at the end, she just takes the Skywalker name, which is like, fine. I'm, there's nothing inherently wrong with doing that. Like, you know, clearly Luke and Leia were like, thumbs up, buddy. Um, but I think that if she just said, I'm Rey, you know, like, I'm just Rey. And then, you know, movie ends.
0: I would have been fine with either ending, honestly. Like, I think they both come across in the same way. In my eyes, like, taking the Skywalker name is, like, who you choose to be. You know, it's, like, it's, you you are who you choose to be. There's two
1: ways to look at it. There's two ways. It's, like, who you choose to be or accepting who you are and making who you are who you choose to be. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's all, like... Well, I mean, if you're accepting
0: who you are, then they would go with the Ray Palpatine ending.
1: Or just Ray. I don't know, like, cause I you think you can make I don't the argument think...
0: for either both ways. Like, if you're accepting who you are, you are a Palpatine. If you're accepting, like, who who you choose to be, it could be either I'm Ray or I'm Ray Skywalker. Like, it doesn't. Right. I don't think it really matters. It it is the Skywalker saga, so I think that is probably the way they had to go. Like,
1: sure. I just I think I can't decide. I mean, part of me loves it, but like, part of me is just sort of disappointed. And like, I'm not a stranger to like, like, I didn't hate Endgame. I, I thought the, that was the best possible ending. A little peeve by the time travel in Endgame. <laughs> and, but like, that was the best possible solution probably. And I didn't, I didn't doubt their methodology about going about creating that. This one, I'm just like, I feel like nobody knew what was going on. I felt like I, it seemed like they were scrambling. It just like, and it's weird because it's the same parent company.
0: I, I don't I don't get that like I don't get that they were scrambling because there's no way that they could have pulled off what they did pull off if they were scrambling there's just there was too much to wrap up in in that last movie which is you know mm-hmm. gives credence to the argument that there should have been more in the second movie rather than just the third but we're I, talking about endgame
1: or talking about Star Wars we're talking about Star Wars. I'm not I, <laughs> okay. will,
0: I will never talk about endgame
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay fine um, but but okay so yeah I, I don't think there was too much to wrap up I think that they had to please some fans. We have all these characters. I mean, we haven't, we didn't, we didn't even
0: touch on Lando. We didn't touch on C3PO. We didn't touch on Chewie, who had one hell of a movie. Yeah. Like, there, there was a lot of characters, not just the, not just the old main characters and the new main characters and the prequel main characters that
1: had, you know, their, their lines wrap up here. It's, there's a lot going on. Here's the, re- here's the reason we didn't talk about them because I don't think that there was anything controversial about. They're featuring this movie. I think you have like whiners and, and groaners being like, oh, Lando, just showing up and like, you know, doing his, th- and like, oh, just throwing an old thing in there, or like, or being like, oh, well, C3PO didn't sacrifice himself, like, really, like, he just got a backup afterwards. And what was the third one? Uh, that you. And like Chibati i don't know like, oh finally you got you, you gave <laughs> chewy your uh yeah but come on i mean we you gave me been... the medal finally like there's we, a lot of people that can groan about that stuff people and, groan and, about
0: everything like, that's why Raylos exist. but i mean these these are characters that we've been attached to for a very very long time and and maybe they're not the main characters but like i have nothing to say about it though besides the fact that i liked it though like the I only think... audible gasp that that my girlfriend had in the theater I can say May because she's not the dying, show. Was Chewie right? dying? Yeah. Yeah. She, she audible gasp and she looked at me and she grabbed my arm. It was like a big moment for her. A
1: big moment for, for sure. a lot of people, like, I'm sure. I had no, I had the same exact reaction. Like, I was in the back of my head, I'm like, how are they going to make him still alive in this? Like, there's I no way. I thought it was plausible that they just did it.
0: I, they got, I mean, they got me. It was effective enough. Like, I thought it was plausible. Like, I figured, you know, somebody has to die in this movie. And well, I know leia will
1: but somebody else <laughs> structurally speaking i thought it was just too soon to like take out a big like a heavy like that like chewy is you know we got him i mean you count revenge of the sith um <laughs> you can then you have him in four movies not counting solo um so like you know it's he it, it would just be too unceremonious an end and like not dignified and and like like Han, you know, got an axe to the chest and thrown off. Luke, like, vanished in a cloud of smoke, you know, after a huge effort. Leia vaporized, you know, after reaching out across the galaxy to her son to turn him. Obi-Wan, you know, just looked at the Luke and was like, cool, and then just vaporized with the lightsaber passing through him. Darth Vader, you know, uh, you know, threw Ampere off and, you know, essentially sentenced himself to death. There's just, it's just, like... Those are huge endings, and just like unceremoniously getting blown up on a freighter would just relegate chewie to such a weird like place in the cannon like yeah, you know, he's like a hux or something like that, just gunned down <laughs> randomly without much of an afterthought like and and so that's I'm why, the like, bowl. I was horrified <laughs> by chewie's like apparent death, but in the moments after I'm like in denial and my denial paid off, you know, like ra- rarely in your life when someone's in denial does it ever pay off you know like when whether it's like a loved one or like you know you lost something or something broke on you when you're like no way there's no way this thing's broken or like there's no way this person's gone like it's oh my god well
0: i mean yes and no like how many times do people fall off a cliff and then come back like
1: oh many times in this movie <laughs> in this movie <laughs> this movie they did it many times yeah yeah palpatine came back after going off a cliff ben solo came back after going off a cliff uh when chewy died and came back like it's just it yeah just to me like it, it's it's rare that you know they would take somebody down in such high esteem um like i get the outcry from the fandom would have been horrendous had they gone gotten chewy like that um uh, but that's, that's what I mean. Like, I don't need to talk about Chewie. I'm glad he got his medal. And I don't need to talk about Lando because he just, it looks like he lived his life as a good dude. Um, I do have a question about the end. What do you suppose the implication was of him talking to Jana? Okay, so I guess it's implied that it's possible that she's his daughter,
0: which I, I think is, is silly, for, you know, just from all the, the drama yeah. from the past couple of years with Finn and all that shit. But I do... I, I do think that it's possible that he also had a child taken by the force first, first order because that was like sure. their big thing. Um, I think that's going to somehow play into the Mandalorian too, but that's a topic for another episode.
1: But why is there credence to him being her
0: daughter or her being his daughter? Well, because there, there's a possibility that he also had children and that they were taken as well. When did he say that? When, when I don't know, I, I read this. No, I read it afterwards somewhere. You didn't miss anything in the movie, but I think it's was it, was it
1: that she got taken. Did she say she got taken mm-hmm. from cloud city?
0: No, she said that she was taken as a kid. She doesn't know where her parents are. But no, I, I don't think that they directly alluded to it. But the, the the idea is that maybe that's possible. Like, maybe Lando had a child and whether or not that is his child, like, he's down. He's, you know, what, is he, what else does he have to do right now except to help her find where she comes from?
1: Well, the other interpretation was that he was, like, looking to get down and, like, a Lando. Way, no, you know, no, like... no, 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 Don't no, no, no me. Then Lando is a scoundrel. He's a perv. Yeah, but,
0: like, it's his last thing in the movie after, like, helping save the day. I think... Sure, it would be kind of blue. That's for sure. He already had his redemption from being a scoundrel. Like, he that happened decades ago. I think he genuinely wants to help her find where she's from because I but think... But you
1: can't blame somebody who has no idea, like, what Star Wars is. Like, Nick, on my left, after he's like, what the hell was that at the end with him hitting on that girl? And I was like, I guess it really depends on who's watching it. Like, I, did, I, it did I, I honestly did not... I, I got the vibe, too, that he was like, let's find out. Well, maybe like, that's because it s- happened
0: right after Poe did his thing.
1: Do you think everybody just landed and then got really horny? I mean, everybody was horny in that scene. It was ridiculous. <sighs> I, don't I don't even know. want to know what happened after the sun went down. <laughs> but, like, seriously, it was, like, uh, it was, it was, I understand. I think he's just, I think it's J.J. J. Abrams alluding to, like, there are more stories to be told in the star wars galaxy well yeah and we there's need to also to wrap up, we also need to wrap up these two characters so we're going to have we're going to imply that they're going to go off and find about it, about their pasts together that's the next but, like, round of the Lando comic but it but it, i i really feel like whoever was in the editing bay had to like raise an eyebrow being like what do you want me to do with this like what is going on in this scene right here like it it just was a little weird to well, me I, you had to give
0: something to a little something to everybody who made an appearance in that movie and i guess they got stuck together because there wasn't really anything else for them to do like lando yeah. didn't have any other friends there it was like him and chewbacca but they had their moment in the falcon and Jana yeah. didn't have anybody except for finn but finn was hugging his friends so it's like well i guess uh, i'll i'll go hang out next to the guy who rescued me and see what his deal is
1: <laughs> yeah i think that it's a. Uh... It's fine. I don't know. Those little things don't really matter all that much, but no, they don't matter. But like, it's still just like a raise, raise your eyebrow moment. Um, other raise your eyebrow moment, uh, which wasn't actually from this movie, the force, the little broom boy at the end of last Jedi, where, where, how did that, (laughs) that is such, that's what, again, playing into the idea of it being a, uh, like a very self-contained movie that could have been like better as a comic book. Um, Man, I really, I'm sorry, I'm saying that because like I don't want to seem like I hate. I really, really like the Last Jedi, and I'm glad it exists as a movie, but it just doesn't strike me as an episodic film. Well, Uh, or that section of it that that like those like the Canto Bite stuff and the chase and the the thing on crate like that was my main
0: argument, man. You're just you're rehashing my argument from that episode where I think you tried to talk me out of it.
1: Well, no, I mean, I totally understand your point of view now that we're here and some of that stuff just didn't matter. Like nothing from The Last Jedi, some of the stuff, like the the overall idea of the resistance being decimated, sure. Um, Mm -hmm. But Rey being nobody didn't Mm -hmm. play out. Uh, Luke vaporizing really didn't um, have a bigger thing except for the fact that he gave Rey a pep talk. Um, And and the broom boy, you know, like- like, It's Rey's brother,
0: actually. Yeah, sure. She it's, he was dropped off Palpatine. on a different uh, different
1: different planet. Of course, um, I just, I was just hoping that she had like that this movie would have opened up you know with with Ray uh, leading more Jedi or something like that, and that would have been cooler to me. And then maybe she loses the, loses them. Maybe they all get killed. Maybe the Emperor kills them all, and you know she's left to start again or something like that afterwards. Like, I just think that would have been a cooler beginning if like we cut to two years later and Ray is training other four sensitives. Cause like what, what else? I mean, the purpose of the broom boy was to show that there's like hope in the galaxy and whatever, you know, there's something like other worlds are inspired by the resistance and fine. But like, if he's force sensitive, then like, I guess it's just in that movie <laughs> and it didn't really come out elsewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, that's again, that's why I don't think that, Finn had a particularly good character arc. I don't. I don't think that there was like too much to him after his initial.
1: He was just like he was a turncoat, which I don't say that deride derisively. Like I, I mean, like he he defected because he had something inside of him, something the Force told him. You know, whatever we got from Rise of Skywalker, and and he's like kind of weird with Rey, like this weird protective nature. He. It's like hitting on her. It's like you got a boyfriend. Well, that's the thing. And like he
0: keep he does that throughout the entire thing. Like with multiple and, women. And possibly right. Poe.
1: With multiple women? I thought it was just Ray and Rose a little bit Jana Jana. But he wasn't doing that with Rose. Like he was like Rose was into him. She kissed him at the end. He was like very much like oh like like uh, okay like he's just trying to get around her really. he's never had a so kiss we can... before well no i don't mean in that moment i mean in the whole movie like he was trying to escape the ship around her well you know like he, he was trying to get to escape pod when he ran into her and she zapped him and like that mm-hmm. wasn't love at first sight no that was just him that was just him going on an adventure with her and then her kissing him at the end and then she got you know just pushed to the side in this movie and then finn has that um that kind of thing where he's just like Kind of hit it like, like like the joke we talked about earlier. Like, I never told you I loved you. Like, what? Like is that the joke? And is he supposed to still be in love with Ray? Like,
0: it's it just... Well, imagine it, this for Finn. Imagine in this movie when he met Jenna on that planet and she was telling him their story and there was that cool little moment where he like hopped up and turned around like he was really intently listening and then she did the same thing when she found out who he was. Like, what if they would expand on that just a little more and that her entire platoon was inspired by him. Like they heard about him and they were inspired by him. Like that would have just, that would have given something else and it it costs nothing to do that. I just, I feel like they could have done. I I feel like he was always just an afterthought. Like he was written into the first movie as a red herring and they didn't have a real plan for it. Yeah. And then they just didn't know what to do with him. but he was, he was already cast as one of the, you know, big main three. So I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it's stunk for me.
1: I just don't see what he like. Did he have like, besides Rise of Skywalker, did Finn, have any huge effect on the bigger picture so like force awakens finn is he helped them with Starkiller base that was a big help he he gets he helps poe escape and then he goes down to the planet and ray is pretty self-sufficient yeah but i mean he like
0: helped them get onto the planet like he told them about their defenses and about the shielding and like or whatever like he, he filled them in with a ton of info that was actually useful
1: but wasn't he just didn't it wasn't the joke that he's just a janitor and he actually doesn't have any plan when he gets there it, it was enough to get them there and that was like a
0: big that's a big thing i guess like and then you know
1: he he had
0: his moments he had his redemptive arc too early though like he he turned and he had his
1: doubts or whatever but that he proved himself but he was going to f- hopelessly sacrifice himself in the last jedi yeah, that like was like He was just going to drive into the laser and it wasn't going to do anything. He was just like, I'm going to do it. And then he just did it. And then Rose saved him from needlessly sacrificing himself. So there was no yeah. grand gesture we, there. We've had
0: this exact same conversation before. The difference this time is that this movie didn't do much for him either.
1: right yeah well no i think it did i mean he became a general and he had a feeling about the bridge and like he knew but here's the thing about becoming
0: a general (laughs) in either the rebel alliance or the resistance you become a general because there's nobody else at the top like you have to inherit the role because someone dies okay i agree
1: with that that's fine but but what i'm saying is he does have an effect at the end of this like he definitely like the the, that star story goes down because of him at the end like it's just that's fine to me. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. But also I think,
0: and also oh my god, like this just I, went through my brain. Okay. So, you know, they're going to do the land assault and then they decide that they don't have to because they've switched they've, you know, they shut down that antenna and diverted it up to the one on the the main cruiser. Uh yeah. So, okay, fine. Whatever. I feel like once they destroyed that one they could have just turned the one on land back on, but whatever. So, then they destroy they 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 decide that they have to destroy the lead cruiser because maybe the lead cruiser could get out anyway right Mm -hmm. but then they all get destroyed anyway
1: (laughs) yeah i don't i don't know man like that's that's (laughs) the thing about this that's why this movie (sighs) we we can gush about the force dyad and like all the cool stuff and the lore that got explored in this but like when it comes down to it like i just think the exposition was super clunky and they treated the audience like they were stupid and a lot of like makeshift stuff um just like thrown in there for the speed of plot you know like it's like well we need to like they they said the emperor's back like three times one with the crawl one with the actual emperor saying i'm back and and then they cut to the rebel the resistance right afterwards being like the emperor is back oh god it's always been the emperor it's always been him behind the scenes like yeah like, it, okay, cool. Three times in the first 10 minutes of the movie, we've established that the emperor is back. Thank you for just really hammering that home. I just think it treat, this movie treated the audience like it was stupid.
0: I want to go on that point more in a future episode because I think that ties yeah. into what I think is, I guess, a counterpoint that I'm, I'm not a fan of, which is that some people feel that they need to read a book to understand a movie. And in that way, it's the exact opposite of what you're saying in that, people are watching this feeling like they're big Star Wars fans and they're confused about stuff that they've never heard of before. But it turns out mm-hmm. that thing was mentioned in a comic. So I, th- I think that's a counterpoint to what you're saying, but it is something that I want to address in a future episode, but I, I-, I want to go long on that. So um, yeah. I guess what I want to leave off on this one is that I really enjoyed the movie. It excited me a lot. Um, it got me back into Star Wars and overall it makes me excited about what's to come because right now there are no, There are no features planned or well, like no announced features planned that I'm aware of. And that's great because it it gives room for more books, more comics that I I really want to get back into those. It's been a long time. We haven't even done a book review on here for like over a year, year and a half. Maybe Yeah,
1: that would require me to read a book. I know it's hard, (laughs) but I I that's what so many books. I know
0: me too. (laughs) Like I have a stack, like my first day of break here, um, I, I just hadn't like i had no work no school no nothing i just made a stack of books and graphic novels that i wanted to read uh and it's been two weeks into my break and i haven't touched them so I one that's my resolution for the year in 2000 is to to read at least one book i'm not gonna set my goal super high I want to at least read one book um god we're pathetic I, it's, it's pretty bad right but regardless i'm excited and there's more tv shows coming uh the universe is still expanding it's not the saga is over, but star Wars isn't over. And I think that's great because we don't have to get so hyped up and, and let down over movies and, and feel that, you know, that drain that like that, that dread that follows with like all of the shitty fandom discussion that follows any one of these movies, because the expectation for them is so high. It's, we're getting back to the point where we can look to the expanded universe to enjoy the universe that we love to tell new stories, to deepen the lore and to explore new ideas in a space where for the most part, the general public doesn't care. Like the people who care about star Wars and more star Wars, I'm not trying to gatekeep with this. I I don't want it to come off as gatekeeping, but the people who I I think really enjoy star Wars for what it is and the ideas that it it can, um, that they can still come up with. I feel like a lot of that is best done in, in non feature film form factors you can tell stories in other ways and i think they're finding success in the tv shows um clone wars is coming back we're getting kenobi we're getting a rogue, rogue One show we'll have more mandalorian next fall like there's so much star wars still yet to come but we don't have to uh you know get ourselves all tied up in knots over the next december feature I don't know. In, in the grand scheme of things, I, I like how the saga ended up. I'm looking forward to watching all of them in series because I've, I've not done that. I've actually still not watched um, The Force Awakens and Last Jedi back-to-back. I, I probably should. I, I think watching them in, in context would be interesting, but I'm going to wait now until all three of them are available.
1: This whole thing changes my suggested viewing order now, though. Like I think now that it's not the story of Anakin Skywalker anymore and it's a story of Palpatine... The rise and fall mm-hmm. um i really honestly think episodic order might be the way to do it yeah. if you're going to rewatch all of them which is un- which is sad because you lose the i'm your father or lo- no i'm your father um reveal but it's it's fine though <laughs> it's fine and i don't know I, I think if you're still
0: watching star wars for the first time maybe just watch it in the same order because then you get the same effect that all of us did but i think if you're re-watching it there's there's a value to watching it in episodic
1: order let's do like extra machete four five two six seven three <laughs> nine eight at the very end <laughs> last jet last jedi is released as a uh web only or like a, a vod <laughs> uh, which sucks i love that movie i, I really like the last jedi I love. Oh, that's it. We got to end. All right, we're done. Um, you can follow us online, banthafodder.fm, at FM on Twitter.
0: Mike and I are also on Twitter, where Mike Cometae and Jacob Tender, respectively.
1: Yeah, I mean, our banthafodder really doesn't do much
0: posting at all. It does but, now. Um, I'm starting to. I'm starting to get in there with those uh, those hot takes and, and quips on the terrible fan theories.
1: Yeah, you got to get. You got to really aggravate the fan base so they start <laughs> listening to this, and then just start you know hunting us down and doxing us now what well, we share cool articles and, and things that uh
0: that are out and about we're not we're not posting news so much anymore i, I cut that out that was getting annoying but um, nice i still share good stuff it's more curated now you're getting curated content from your friends at bantha fodder
1: okay cool that's it <laughs> bye bye <laughs> Oh, are you doing that into the microphone?